What's going on, Cowboys Universe? Welcome back to another episode of the Late Night Hype. We got a special guest in the building today. CBS writer Patrick Nosey. Walker. No C in the name, y'all. Here we go. Hey, Pat. Yo. I know we had our little disagreement on baseball, <laughs> but we still cool, all right? That's, that's water under the bridge. Um, that's water under hey, the bridge. Man. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, I'm excited for this one. I really am excited for this one because we got science in the building. Science. You need you need to trade me. I know I know it's a word that everybody uses. Hashtag science. Hashtag science is in the building, man. Give it up for Patrick Walker, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on, bro? I'm blessed, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Y'all got a wonderful show jumping off here, and uh, I'm just trying to get a, get a piece of y'all action man i like what y'all got going on man thanks for having me thank you for joining us man law big game james what's up man what's good uh, man we was kicking it off yeah. air you know what i'm saying yeah that's why you members need to get a member because you can get all that good fruit yeah y'all can see him come at me about my about our braves I ain't gonna oh, realize yeah. it's ours. That your Braves. I, I can't say it's ours. Braves, we gotta, let, let's, let's, let's keep these pronouns in order. Because <laughs> <laughs> you admitted that they were yeah. our yeah, Braves, yeah, and then yeah, you, yeah. you fell back, yeah, you know, like you yeah, stepped on a banana peel. Yeah, we'll get slipping. my Chipper Jones jersey, man. We'll, we'll, we'll get them. <laughs> we'll, I'll get them back right. Yeah, get them back right. You're gonna get a whole year. I got to get them on Acuna and Ozzy and Freddie. I do know. See, I know a couple of them, but I don't. you know what? You're going to get me. Yeah, just a couple. I'm just keeping it bean. He said a couple. God respect the man and keep it real, man. Yeah. I, I do respect the man to keep it real. I, I can I respect it. Come straight on, straight shooter. Line, man. You, come, you know, but keep in mind, just because you're a straight shooter, don't mean you hitting the bullseye. Oh wow. man, he, this, this, I'm done. I'm that's done because yo, he be throwing. That's why you got love. He be throwing them around. He don't care that, who you are. That's the hey, science of it. That, that's the science. <laughs> hey Pat, don't be coming on here treating me like a Twitter uh, uh, troll, no, man. man. Come on, brother. It's all love, man. It's all love. Oh man, it's gonna be great, brother. Hey, listen. While we we can disagree about the Braves right now, one thing we can agree about is what the hell was going on with these uh here cowboys, guys. Um a lot has happened. Today the rookies are reporting to Cam. You got the Dak Prescott a uh, contract situation, and then you got D Law and a couple people around the league talking about possibly, you know, not coming to reporting to camp or what have you. Yeah, right. Um, so you know, where do you want to start here, James? Oh, let's, you know, we got to start off with, we got to start off with Mr. Uh-huh. Dak Prescott because we were just talking earlier today. We had, uh, we was talking about Charlie Casserly or whatever the hell his old ass name is, giving all these stuff about Dak. We don't want to hear. We need to hear the real science about Dak Prescott and what really happened with right. these yep. negotiations. Mr. Pat Walker, tell us what, go, what really happened, man. All right. So at the end of the day, you know, and I've, I've been having conversations with sources, you know, for the better part of a year when it wow. comes to the negotiations between Dak and, and the Cowboys. And at the end of the day, um, as it approached the deadline uh, of July 15th, there was no indication from any source on any side of the table that this deal would not get done. Now, I, I got messages that ranged from, you know, quote, uh, it doesn't look good 
and you know but then the pendulum swung to the other side and said well pat there's still time so we kind of played it out let it see how it went but even those that were pessimistic as far as the sources that i had conversations with even they thought that at the end of the day the cowboys would be the ones to cave and for those that don't know what the the main sticking point was and i broke this news back in early february before it hit the news cycle was that it was no longer about the money it was about the length so the Cowboys wanted to initially go long. So when they approached Dak Prescott in the summer of 2019, after they got the deal done with Tank, uh, they approached him with a six or seven year deal. Uh, wow. Dak, Dak Prescott countered that with three. Now this is the negotiation process. Dak knew, or the Cowboys knew he wasn't going to sign for seven. Um, and Dak knew they weren't going to agree to three. But you start high, they start low, that's how it goes. Uh, the hiccup in the, in the plan was Ezekiel Elliott. So when Ezekiel Elliott ended up uh, holding out of training camp and then ultimately got awarded his deal, the Cowboys looked at the length of his deal uh, and the expiration thereof. And they said to themselves, well, let's try to marry Dak's contract length and the expiration thereof with Ezekiel Elliott, which is perfect in theory, right? They came in together. You would ideally like to see them go out together. Um, but that put them at around six. Dak wasn't feeling that either. Um, Dak bet on himself. You know, he chose to go ahead and bet on himself. So they did make her offer a formal offer to him in September. Um, but he was like, you know what? I'm not feeling that. Let's just see how it all plays out. I got Kellen Moore now as offensive coordinator, you know, and, and we saw how that ended up going. Now, Kellen Moore had his growing pains, but Dak Prescott had a career year as an individual. Uh, despite the team, the wide receiver core leading the league in drops, Dak Prescott was still only, what, one or two yards away from passing Tony Romo as the Cowboys uh, single season passing leader um so he could have easily blown past five thousand yards and now he goes back to the table and the cowboys up the offer a little bit so okay so they, they put more money on the table as you know back in march so it's actually two separate offers so one would have been a soft soft offer in january but the main offer came at the combine now that offer was upwards of five years uh, averaged around 35 million dollars a year uh, and they were trying to keep it in line with more so like Russell Wilson, where Russell Wilson got awarded in May, April of last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> another hiccup in their plan, though, if you take a step back, was the Carson Wentz deal and the Jerry Goff deal. Mm -hmm. Neither of those things were supposed to land as far as if you're Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. They weren't expecting either of those to land at that point. Let me interject on that point. Wait. Yeah. Is that isn't that a lack of foresight, though, on Jerry's I behalf? I think it's less a lack of foresight and more a bit of pride. Mm. Uh, and I say pride because you talk about someone like Jerry Jones and Jerry Jones, even if the legend only exists in his mind going forward, mm -hmm. he's the consummate deal closer. Now that has been proven true time and again, but as of late, he's been kind of struggling with that. Mm. You know, the team has not been closing the deals that they want to close, i.e. Dak Prescott being one example. Um, so I think Jerry Jones looked at it as, well, you know what? We weren't expecting uh, Carson Wentz's deal to land this early. We weren't expecting Jerry Goff's deal to land this early. But you know what? You know, like he said, and his quote was, uh, I don't get hand cramps when I write checks. He figured at the end of the day, he would get what he wanted, and that would be Dak Prescott. Uh, the problem is, even down to the deadline uh, of July 15th, the Cowboys were still holding firm on five years. Dak Prescott was still holding firm on four how the days went leading up to that deadline were. Mm -hmm. There were soft conversations. So I know there were reports out there saying there had been no conversations. Those are inaccurate. There were some very soft, unofficial um, nudges in both directions. 
to kind of see how things were going to shape up um, on, you know, in the witching hour. Once the witching hour approached, Stephen Jones, I'm told, uh, basically reached out to Todd France, Dak Prescott's representation and said, hey, we need to we need to get this done. Can we get Dak on the phone? Like, let's let's kind of do this now. Sidebar. This is a tactic that Stephen Jones has employed before. He did it with Demarcus Lawrence, keeping in mind that Demarcus Lawrence was up against the deadline to get that surgery done on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, and the only reason that deal finally got done uh, right ahead of that that invisible deadline. I say invisible deadline because soft if he didn't deadline. get it by yeah, soft deadline. <laughs> if he didn't get it done by that point, he might miss games. He might have missed some games at the front of 2019. Um, it was Stephen Jones. It didn't circumvent Tank's agent, but he demanded Tank to get on the line. So mm -hmm. they had that conversation. It was Tank and Stephen Jones who were able to hash out the deal. Now, because that worked for Stephen Jones, he felt like he could do it again with France and Prescott. And at the end of the day, Prescott did end up getting on the line with Stephen Jones. Um, but the problem was when you have a contract of any nature, but especially right. a mega contract like this, not only do you have to agree to terms, you have to get the contract drawn up. You have to get the contract language hammered out. That can take hours upwards of one or two days. But if you have pristine lawyers, let's say you can get it banged out in 10 to 12 hours. Well, if they're having this conversation at 1 p.m. on deadline day, the likelihood of them, A, agreeing to terms, and B, having time to get the contract drawn up and sent over to the league office for finalization, they were already up against it. So in the end, what happened was they started racing um, to try to get something done. I am told that the Cowboys, even their final offer to Dak on, on deadline day was still five years. Dak was a little bit more amicable to, to going ahead and agreeing to that five to go ahead and get the deal done. Um, but the clock, the clock just was not in their favor. So believe was, it or not, that was true. Believe it. Yes, that's true. So believe it or not, when it all came down to it, this deal mm -hmm. was still one. Okay. From both sides agreeing to terms, but they figured out in looking at the clock and, and talking to their, their, you know, attorneys on both sides, they said, Hey, even if you guys agree to terms, we're not going to be able to get this drawn up. And get this over to the league office in time so basically all parties involved played mm -hmm. the deadline game to the death <laughs> of the of the contract mm. and, and there's that, some good information there uh and speaking of todd france he he's the same guy that represented aaron donald that did similar uh tactics as it relates to hey standing firm remember aaron donald he had to set out or hold out for his money and i think in that uh when we look at this and stephen jones and his particular mindset you're making a, a, a unique situation now. And what do they do from here though? We got 31 millions off the cap. So how, how can we work out this science piece? This, this is a, this is such a, a massive fumble yeah. uh, by, mm -hmm. by the Cowboys. And I say more so the Cowboys than France and Prescott, because at the end of the day, Prescott who earned only $2 million last year, a total of just over five, just under $5 million over the first four years. Now he's guaranteed to get 31.4. So, uh, I was told that he was frustrated by how it ended. Um, not frustrated with the team, but frustrated that things didn't play out on the chessboard how he thought they would mm -hmm. by playing the deadline game. And that's understandable. But he's not mad at being guaranteed $31.4 million. Right. Um, you know, it's a hell of a pay raise. Yeah. But for the Cowboys, now guess what? They still don't have their franchise quarterback locked up for the future. Um, and now you're bringing in Mike McCarthy, who by all accounts is a quarterback whisperer. You're combining the experience 
and, of Mike McCarthy with the creativity and youth and talent of Kellen Moore, which was on display when Dak Prescott had a career season as an individual last year. And all signs point north for Prescott in 2020. And if he plays equal or greater than what he did in 2019, then now you're going to not only probably end up giving him the four-year deal that you you know tried not to give him um, the year prior, the offseason prior, but now you're, you're going to be tap dancing around $40 million. And you didn't want to have to do that because if you look at Patrick Mahomes' deal, and yeah, the easy math is, oh, it's a 10-year deal. It's $503 million. It's 50.3 average or million per year. But that's not actually how it breaks down. If you look at his new money, Mm-hmm. Um, the first four years of his new money are only $39.5 million um, on average. So the Cowboys could have gotten away with a four-year deal on Dak Prescott at around $38 million a year, um, and he'd be good to go. So now he plays up, or he levels up again. The market's going to go up. You're going to pay more, even if they franchise tag him next year uh, while they try to work it out. If they don't get something worked out by July 15th next year, and they franchise tag and that's 37.5 37.7 million dollars and that's going to be potentially on a smaller cap because of the COVID 19 hit you're not going to have fans in the stands you're going to take a revenue hit um and they're still trying to figure out if they're going to take the hit up front as far as nfl pa and nfl or they're going to spread it but nonetheless you're going to take a hit potentially smaller cap versus a higher uh salary a higher contract that you're going to have to give um but what makes it worse for the cowboys guys is any any chance they might have thought they had at trying to woo someone like Jamal Adams, for example, um, trying to get uh, oh. Joe Douglas in New York. It was already unlikely, as I've constantly reported. But it's even more unlikely now because had they extended Prescott, they could have structured the contract in a way that would have reduced the, the year one cap hit. But now you're getting knocked in the head for 31.4. You got you still got to sign your, your rookies, your draft picks. That's going to put them at an average, I'd say around $8 million in available cap space. Even if Joe Douglas had a stroke and forgot that he hates the Cowboys, <laughs> they no longer have the cap space to make a blockbuster move like that. Um, so they've really handcuffed themselves. So no matter how you look at it, that's why I say Dak, he took a little bit of a loss by the deal not being done. And, and the loss is obviously security. Mm-hmm. He's hyper durable, but it's still football, right? right. Knock on wood. What what right. if he gets blank? I'm not going to say the word. But yeah. What if he gets blank? Um, mm-hmm. That's the reality of a franchise tag. But for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at L's left and right. You're going to end I'm... up paying more later. You got less cap to do any kind of major mm-hmm. trade now. Uh, the market's not in your favor. You might have a smaller cap next year. You don't have a replacement. Andy Dalton's not the replacement. Oh, good. Oh, so don't start you know, for, for those that say, oh, well, just re, just don't resign and that. yeah, just resign Andy Dalton Boston. next year. Yeah, just resign yeah. Andy Dalton next year and let him be. Listen, Andy <laughs> Dalton has proven himself uh, <laughs> right. a capable winner in the regular season. He's right. also proven himself a very bad quarterback in the postseason. You would, and as a Cowboys fan, um, why would you champion having a guy that's so unproven and, or I should say, has proven himself to be? a poor starting quarterback in the postseason. Very poor. Andy Dalton is what he is. Um, and that's a foot. He could be a phenomenal backup for Dak Prescott. If he has to come in and play in October, I'm not as concerned about that. I think he can get two or three wins in October, November, maybe even December. If you're depending on him in January, you're in trouble. 
Hey, I, I just want you to be able to put this out there too, because I get so much kickback from people who's pro Andy is saying, Hey, he never had this amount of talent. Can you explain to the people? Cause I know you I know shot that down Can you explain time. to the people how much talent he had and especially down. the level of defense that he was playing with too. I think those who say that, um, uh, live in a, 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 a box living and, in the box, the label on the box says Dallas. Um, <laughs> the problem with a lot of fans and also some media uh, is that when they're doing their so-called analysis, they do it with beer goggles on or in, you know, a tunnel vision. They don't look at, okay, well, well, Andy Dalton didn't have the talent in Cincinnati that he has in Dallas. Well, that's, that's untrue. But I think the problem is, is they weren't watching Bengals games because guess what? Who, who was, if you're not a Bengals fan, <laughs> right? Right. Um, right. And, but keeping in mind what I just mentioned was Andy Dalton has proven himself a, a, a capable winner in the regular season, but True. you can't win in the regular season if you don't have talent in the NFL. And he certainly had that even before the injury bug bit AJ Green, right? Uh, that duo alone was one of the, the most dynamic duos in the league. So he's had firepower at wide receiver. He's had a strong offensive line. He's had running back talent. He's had a defense. defense. He's had a defense. defense. I mean, we're really not going to act like Geno Atkins is somebody you pick up at at Dollar Tree, right? (laughs) Um, So he's had a defense, uh, and he simply could not get over the hump in the postseason. If you look at his production in the regular season versus the postseason, there is this correlation Year when they were getting into the playoffs, I think they did it two or three consecutive years. He completely fell apart in the playoffs, and and it was you couldn't attribute it to injury surrounding him, uh, at players at, at skill positions. You couldn't attribute it to injury on Dalton, uh, and you you're hard pressed to convince me that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the coach who got them to the playoffs instantly forgot how to coach. I think. Dalton, as good of a quarterback as he can be, he shrinks when the lights get brighter. And until I see otherwise, I won't be convinced otherwise. So that's what, when you're talking about, you know, narratives that, oh, well, he didn't have the talent that that he's going to have in Dallas. Uh, you could apply that argument to a lot of, a lot of talented quarterbacks that are, now, let's talk about Matthew Stafford. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. It's a similar kind of situation. Matthew, Matthew Stafford and <laughs> And subjectively speaking, that's my guy, go dogs, right? But objectively speaking, he has had a mess. He had Megatron. Hmm. I don't I, I don't have to name anyone else really, but I could, <laughs> but he had Megatron. Um, and Megatron couldn't be stopped as Cowboys fans all know. And let's not blame Brandon Carr for what happened in Detroit that day. Um, but at the end of the day, you have talented quarterbacks, and just but just because they're talented and just because they have a bunch of talent around them does not automatically make them that guy. I believe Dak Prescott can be that guy. Mike McCarthy believes it. Jerry Jones believes it. Stephen Jones believes it. I think the problem with it all when it came to the contract is Jerry should have jumped in and and, and got and just pulled a Jerry, yeah, right, and just said, "Hey, we're going to get this done." <laughs> Everyone needs to understand what's happening when it comes to the mm. Cowboys. Uh, it all the buck stops with Jerry, of course. Mm. But over the past few seasons, he's been delegated. mouthpiece. 
Yeah, he's been delegating a whole lot more. You're talking about Will McClay. You're talking about Stephen Jones. And this is a transition period for the Cowboys. Jerry Jones will never admit this publicly. But if you look at the moves, whether it be the draft, um, the, the free agency moves that they've made and have not made over the past few years, it doesn't feel Jerry-ish, right? Mm. They're a much more frugal team. Um, the, the purse strings are very tight. They try to play deadline games, and sometimes it works in their favor. It worked in their favor with Demarcus Lawrence. worked in their favor with Ezekiel Elliott. They thought it worked in their favor with Dak Prescott, and it blew up in their face. Um, but that's a Stephen Jones tactic. And this is not to demonize Stephen Jones. It's simply to say there's a difference between him and his father. His father is willing to throw as much money at the situation as possible if he thinks it's a winning situation. Stephen Jones can believe it's a winning situation, but he still wants to play the game. He still wants to look like he came out the winner in any particular negotiation. Um, but when it comes to Dak Prescott, you know, they came out looking like the loser. But for those that are saying, oh, well, you know, he's on a franchise tag now, so trade him or let him walk next offseason. Listen, Andy Dalton is being paid about $100,000 more, maybe more, but a little bit over what they were going to pay Cooper Rush. But I just told everyone that they offered Dak Prescott an average of $35 million a year. Who do you think they believe in? Exactly. The $2 million, the $2 million guy <laughs> or the guy that they were going to give $110 million guaranteed? There's, there's people in the comments that I, I I don't think really understand Andy Dalton in the playoffs. So let me give you some numbers, guys. Yeah, hit him. He has oh, one touchdown. Here's the science. One touchdown, <laughs> six interceptions on 55% completion in the playoffs. Okay, guys, we're not talking about him having a four to three ratio or anything like that. Like he's been average or, you know, his team is just hasn't gotten it done for him. No, he sucks in the playoffs. So I'm not trying to hear all this, you know, Andy Dalton's been brighter. The lights oh, for Andy Dalton, the more he's shrunk at his position. And mm -hmm. for a fandom, here, here's here's some irony. And I'm talking about this is this is some spicy irony. This has all kinds of cayenne pepper over it. Give it to us. For those that subscribe to the narrative that Tony Romo was not clutch, despite the numbers proving otherwise, that same faction of fandom is now have or would now have us believe that Andy Dalton mm. is clutch and can be. Are you kidding me? That's the whole. You have to. You have to at on some level believe that Andy Andy Dalton can lead this team to the Super Bowl. If you're one of those people that are saying, oh, well, you know, let Dak walk, uh, trade uh -huh. Dak, whatever the case may be. Well, if you have that much confidence in Andy Dalton, despite the numbers telling you otherwise in his postseason um, failure. It's ironic that a lot of these individuals that I've seen out here spewing that that nonsense, for lack of a better mm -hmm. way to put it, are the same ones that are saying, well, you know, Romo couldn't deliver because he was anti-clutch or he couldn't deliver in the fourth quarter uh well Romo proved that he could deliver in the fourth quarter but you want to replace Dak who's also clutch right he's proven clutch as well uh and hyper durable uh with a guy who basically couldn't find a job anywhere this offseason so he took a hometown discount to come with the Cowboys to rebuild his brand in the hopes that he could get a bigger contract in the offseason with another team this is a road this is a pit stop for Andy Dalton people in his Oh I, 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 it's unbelievable. It's like yeah. a so, someone just, I just asked want to me, say something about them comments, <laughs> one more, man, one more time. Someone asked me, James. Mm -hmm. Now tell me, Dak's playoff 
stats in the playoffs. Do you really want me to do that? Because I can't. No. Seven touchdowns, <laughs> two interceptions, ninety-five quarterback rating, and he completes sixty-four percent of his passes. So don't, don't, don't. don't now, 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 tell me. me Carson Wentz's playoff record. Three yards. <laughs> give me, give me his stats. <laughs> right? I'll show you, Derek. One, one drive, one playoff drive. <laughs> didn't complete the drive because he left with a concussion. So in the first four years of his his NFL career, right? Mm. He's only he's only started in the playoffs once didn't even finish the drive so if we're talking about you know well uh, well what's what's Dak's numbers in the postseason okay we're talking about market value we're talking about contracts we're talking about the fact that if Carson Wentz got paid mm. you cannot turn around and say Dak Prescott that- should not right pay i don't i don't care about your feels and your emotions and well i don't think Carson Wentz should have gotten paid either doesn't matter because he did so because that's on the table, you can't ignore the fact that it's on the table. And that's Todd France and Dak Prescott aren't ignoring or ignoring what Jerry Goff got paid. They're not ignoring what Carson Wentz got paid. Well, you think Todd France is saying, oh, well, Carson Wentz shouldn't have gotten paid. So, you yeah. know, let's let's lower my client's price. Like, get out of here. Patrick, I got to ask you this right quick, because a lot of people are going to throw out these stats and it, and it really brings in partial truth. And you know how that goes, right? Yeah. Uh, the one in seven situation for Dak Prescott last year. Any way that you can give your thoughts to the people about that one and seven against playoff teams or teams above 500, what have you, can you break down that narrative that everybody talk about? Well, you shouldn't pay him for that particular reason. <laughs> let me, let me make sure that everyone understands for those that mm-hmm. may not um, uh, know me well, uh, may not follow me on Twitter at voice of the star, shameless plug, who may not have been, <laughs> reading my cbs yeah shameless plug may not have been reading my (laughs) cbs sports pieces um i am neither a pessimist or optimist i'm not an apologist for any particular player i'm a Mm -hmm. realist i shoot straight right down the middle what you get is what you get that's the science of it right how it makes you feel is your problem i just the facts are my problem the facts are Dak prescott struggled in those games that that's a fact in some of those games anyway um so let's not take the demerits away from him in that capacity in that same breath why are we not talking about these drops Mm. from these wide receivers why when in the context of trying to figure out why he was one and seven against you know playoff teams and playoff caliber teams why why are we not talking about the drops why are we not talking about the cowboys defensive struggles against the run why are we not talking about you know, although they had a shutdown corner in Byron Jones, how Byron Jones didn't have uh, the complement opposite him because Shadobi Awuzie took a step back in 2019. So the secondary more or less struggled. These are the same people. Uh, well, why did that go one and seven? Okay, well, you know, I'm so glad Jeff Heath is going. Why are you glad Jeff Heath is going? Oh, because quote unquote, he's, he sucked as a safety. Well, guess what? He was your safety. So if, if you feel like Jeff Heath struggled as a safety and you can't you wanted earl thomas you want jamal adams you know you want these all pro safeties well you want these all pro safeties because you admit that your safety beside xavier woods is a is a hole that's a hole in your defense you had another hole opposite byron jones move forward to the defensive line antoine Woods struggled with injury last season so you had a hole at nose tackle right Tristan Hill didn't pan out now he might pan out down the road but he didn't Mm -hmm. in his first year he was inactive and a healthy scratch for much of his rookie season um Demarcus Lawrence 
he didn't produce from a sack perspective, but he's still one of the best run stoppers. But Robert Quinn went off. So you have these edge rushers getting off, but your interior on your defense mm. is just not cutting it. Let's talk about how LVE was injured and missed half of the season, right? Mm. A Pro Bowl linebacker you lost for half the season, which then caused your other Pro Bowl caliber linebacker and Jalen Smith to take a step back because guess what? Now he was tasked with helping to fill the, the void that not having L LVE created, but also mm -hmm. they were utilizing him more in blitz coverage and pass rush assistance. That's why he had a career high in sex. So he's, he was still trying to figure out, well, how do I cover well and blitz well? Now he did the blitzing well, mm -hmm. but he couldn't do both well at the same time. And you've seen in the year prior 2018, he didn't blitz as much, but he was fantastic in coverage. He was carrying tight ends up the seam, right? That was a different Jalen Smith. You have all of these question marks, the defensive interior, mm -hmm. the linebacking core, you know, opposite Byron Jones. What about your coach? Man, I'm about you, to say, <laughs> he's the coach. <laughs> your coach. Right. What about Man, now, your now coach? That's, that's defense. Yeah. So we're, we're I'm just saying your defense. coach. Now let's go. Let, let's talk about coach. Talk coach? about it. Talk let's about talk it. about coach. So that's the defensive holes. So that yeah. all fueled one, helped fuel one and seven. <laughs> so now let's talk about offense. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's, let's talk it. about how. Yeah how although Kellen Moore did very well and I predicted uh -huh. he'd, ha he'd have growing pains, he did have growing pains. Yeah. He mm -hmm. got away from what was working several times over the course of those games that we're talking about. Let's talk about how Jason Garrett, uh, he had his liberal moments as far as play calling goes, mm -hmm. but for the most part, it was still the same conservative Jason Garrett who would win first on, on seemingly every first down just right. predictable like the the other team knew right out of the box what the cowboys were going to do on first down every single first down they were going to hand the ball off um and you wonder what type of influence did jason garrett have on Kellen moore now i'm told J jason garrett didn't have he wasn't calling the plays but there was still influence in the meeting room mm -hmm. uh, on a weekly basis so Kellen moore obviously it's his first year on the job as an offensive coordinator he's going to defer more to you know, his head coach who gave him the opportunity, he doesn't really want to piss off his head coach. So right. the head coach last yeah. week or heading into this game coming up this weekend is saying, hey, we need to run the ball more. Kellen Moore was basically like, OK, OK, boss. OK, <laughs> so instead of the Cowboys taking what the offense gave them on a on a consistent basis, they kept trying to force the issue. And there was a lot of times where it just felt like Jason Garrett's offense kept showing its head versus what we thought Kellen Moore's offense would be. Mm -hmm. So you got the coaching issues. You got the drops on offense. You're still trying to figure out what, what the hell's going on at left guard. OK, mm -hmm. uh, you lost Connor McGovern before he took a snap in training camp. Right. Uh, Connor Williams, you ended up losing him later in the year. Um, you know, so you have offensive line questions. Uh, Zeke was still Zeke, but Tony Pollard didn't get unleashed like he could have because of the coaching and the offensive uh, play calling and how it became uneven. Sometimes you see Tony Pollard start huh. to go off one game. Uh, you know, that, I think there was one game in particular where both him and Zeke just went off. And yeah. next week, and then the next game, Miami, next week it was yeah. like five snaps. Yeah. Zero no, no. Touches. Actually, it was zero snaps against right. the Saints. Right. So played, so, right. Mention Jason Witten too, please. Mention Jason Witten. No, touches. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah, referring yeah, yeah, to. Touches. Okay. So he, he'd get like four or five touches and then those right. touches would be completely inconsequential. Oh, he didn't get any against the Saints. But that's either here 
don't take the 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 cloak of blame off of Dak for the things that he did wrong that contributed mm -hmm. because all of his passes weren't pristine exactly uh, in those losses but guess what all of his passes weren't pristine in the wins either mm -hmm. right but more often than not he was threading needles you know for those that are saying oh well he's you know dinking Dak whatever that corny ass line is uh he was top two if not top one in deep ball accuracy uh, for most of last year. So he improved the deep ball because he improved his torque on his core and his footwork. His footwork is light years beyond. And shouts out to John Kitna. Yes. For yeah. What he did yes. for Dak Prescott. So the fundamentals have been refined on Dak Prescott. And that's why he can now be more accurate throwing the ball deep, et cetera, et cetera. But there are so many other holes, coaching and, you know, left guard as far as protection there goes and the underutilization of Tony Pollard. And what did they get from Tavon Austin? last year in the mm. receiving court, nothing. Yeah. So yeah, you had uh, Michael Gallup go off and Amari Cooper right. did what Amari Cooper gets paid to do, but was he really the same Amari Cooper that we saw uh, when he first, in the first few games after he got traded to the Cowboys? And I'm not talking about Down ability. I'm right, I'm talking about uh, uh, several, and, and I can confirm this. Mm -hmm. For those wondering what happened to Cooper in December. So they're mm. saying, oh, well, he mentally checked out. Well, that, that's not what happened. Uh, you know, people try to attach that to the narrative that was on him in Oakland uh, with mm -hmm. the Raiders and that, oh, well, he checks out mentally. He doesn't care about football. No, that that guy was battling two or three different lower body injuries over the course of the season. But how many games did he miss? So he he tried and he started, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, he started all 16. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't play the totality of all 16. So right. some of those games you saw him get pulled early. It was because of one injury management. Um, and sometimes it was because the coach just did something weird. Like I can yeah. confirm that on two separate occasions when Amari Cooper came out early in those games, it wasn't necessarily injury management. It was simply because the coaches were quote unquote, trying to do something different. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so yeah. you pull Amari Cooper off the field. Yeah, exactly. And they talk about Amari Cooper off the field. There you go. Yeah. You pull Amari yeah. Cooper off the field. And now guess what the defense gets to do? They get to shade mm -hmm. help over on Michael Gallup who had an issue with drops as well, despite having going off for over a thousand yards last season. Mm -hmm. But then who's your, who's your secondary threat if Cooper's not on the field? And if Cooper's mm -hmm. on the field, who's your, who's your third and who's your tertiary threat? It wasn't Tavon mm -hmm. Austin. Well, see, that's wow. where coaching- And they were sitting Devin Smith. It wasn't Devin Smith. It was Devin Smith against the <laughs> Redskins. See, I think. See, that's one, where coaching one game, one play. It's very one important and, and where people, it's not about being excuses, guys, because we, we can go back to Carson Wentz. Right. Everyone loves to talk about Carson Wentz won the division with practice squad wide receivers and yada, yada, yada. No, <laughs> Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz and the Eagles won that game because seven receptions, seven came up with those practice squad wide receivers. Are we really ooh, holding up ooh. nine and seven as some type? Of I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> Stop that. I'm getting there. And, 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 and so we act like it wasn't Dallas Goddard, who's a beast. Zach Ertz, who's a beast, and Miles Sanders, who's a beast, didn't kill us in that game. And then people hold this 9-7 and seven as if Carson Wentz was killing the whole year and had them 12-4. and four. This is not true, guys. What happened was coaching took advantage of a poor coach team in the Dallas Cowboys to win a division because we both lost the poor teams. We both beat Doug the weak Peterson. teams. Is better than Jason Garrett. I am okay, But but can I say Doug, this? Doug though? Peterson is the same. Keep in mind, Doug Peterson is the same coach that Carson Wentz was having an MVP caliber season during their Super Bowl run, and he got injured in late December. 
Doug Peterson inserts Nick Foles, who hadn't done anything in his career up to that point other than bounce around from team to team. And he takes that guy and turns him into a Super Bowl MVP. Mm. Does anyone, does anyone on the planet Earth or any of the other eight revolving, is, is Pluto still a planet? I don't think so. So <laughs> yeah. the other seven, right? Let's get the science right. So does anyone in this solar system think that Jason Garrett could have turned Absolutely. a backup quarterback Hell coming in in no. January into a Super Bowl MVP? So yes, That's we're cool. talking about coaching. If I'm not we're mistaken, not- Patrick. Doesn't he have only one victory without Dak or Tony in his career? That sounds about that, that sounds almost accurate. If you oh, go back and career. go back oh, and look wow. at Matt Castle, um, Matt Castle against the 2015, the 2015 yeah. season, right? Go back and yeah, look at the 2015 yeah. season. The Cowboys were one and eleven without Tony Romo and mm. four and one with him that season. <laughs> the one and eleven, what was that two or three quarterbacks? You had Wheaton. You had Castle, I and think more. that was two, and, and, and Kellen, right? Um, so between three different quarterbacks, you muster one win in 12 games. Mm. But but we're going to pretend that that's not the same coach that's been, um, that had been relegated to making Dak Prescott a success. And we're not going to completely just dump on Jason Garrett. I mean, he was right. the same coach that, you know, led the team to, uh, you know, a couple of division wins, et cetera, et cetera. But he, he got he got long I in will. the tooth. I will coach of the year, him. right? Right. He, 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 was, he was head coach of the year. But I think he got <laughs> he got long in the tooth, but he made mistakes that ended up um, shooting holes in his own boat. And one of the biggest mistakes, and I will die on this hill, and I was, I was on this hill – when other people were like, oh, you gotta you gotta give him a chance, or oh, it's Jason Garrett. Scott Linehan. Oh. oh my gosh. The decision to ship out or to move Bill Callahan away Ooh, from play calling man. to yeah. shoehorn Scott Linehan in, which ultimately led to Bill Callahan leaving because he he was just pissed off. He was like, I'm done here. You uh, lose an elite play caller in Bill Callahan. Yeah. And then after line. a couple, two or three years of struggling for the most part, because it started to be a decline. I think I wrote a piece about this last year. There was a numerical and a statistical decline every single season under Scott mm-hmm. Linehan. Instead of seeing the writing on the wall and saying, well, you know, Scott, it's time for you to go if I'm Jason Garrett. They empowered him more. They gave him more power. They gave him the power to basically fire Dez, which is what it ultimately happened with Dez, right? They gave him the power to ship out a guy like Ryan Switzer because Switzer uh, voiced concern over the Cowboys trying to use him as a, a running back more than a wide receiver. Um so you have these situations where the the head coach was then allowing a his buddy an unsuccessful it, more than a buddy it was a weird dynamic dude it was a mentor mentee because i think he felt like he owed linehan because linehan was he Guy gave him his first coaching job in miami as quarterbacks coach and mm. i think he felt like he was repaying the favor well now both of you are out um mm. and i think like now old Witten. yeah and it, it Witten, yeah, we we love you, Witten. Um, and th- th- I'm glad you mentioned that because that's kind of a, a a spinoff of the Jason Garrett note. Yeah, when we're talking about the one and seven. If Jason Garrett isn't the head coach of the Cowboys in 2019, Jason Witten is not on the roster in 2019. that's an absolute fact and it's not because Mm -hmm. the cowboys have lack of reverence we know how much they revere jason garrett and rightfully so first Mm -hmm. ballot hall of famer you know he's no one can question his resume it is absolutely Mm -hmm. bulletproof however when he opted to retire and then come out of retirement Mm -hmm. he wasn't the same jason witten and that's saying a lot considering he already was losing a step prior to retirement 
Um, so Jason Garrett brought in Witten um, for stability, but what they should have been doing is finishing the job with Blake Jarwin. So the, the the project that began with Blake Jarwin during the retirement year in 2018 of Jason Witten, um, instead of saying, well, Blake Jarwin, we see what you can do, especially in that game against the Giants. He set that that franchise record, three touchdowns, just absolutely torched the Giants. Man. So so yeah. what do you do on the heels of that 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 game? Because that was week 17, right? Mm-hmm. So so what do you do? <laughs> you you call Jason Witten. And you're like, oh, well, we need to have you. What are you doing? It's the foresight. It makes no sense. So that that goes back. Now, that's foresight or lack thereof. Um, Mm -hmm. So Jason Witten, he was serviceable, but he took snaps away from Blake Jarwin. And if you're taking snaps away from the athletic playmaking tight end, um, those passes that went from Dak to Witten that were maybe five-yard gains, eight-yard gains, you throw that to Jarwin, it's a 14-yard game. Mm. Right, you throw that to Jarwin, and right, and it's six yards after the catch mm-hmm. instead of one yard after the catch or a negative yard after the catch. Right, a pity so, patty feet. Right, mm-hmm. so and again, this is not a knock to Witten. He he should be revered. He's absolute Teflon in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're talking realistically, he should not have been on the roster in 2019. It should have been Blake Jarwin's year um, to follow up on the work that they started with him in 2018. So now McCarthy comes in and he sees Mm. the mistake that Garrett made and he, and they, they didn't make an offer to Jason Witten (laughs) at all. Mm. And I, I, you know, I've been told that, and I can confirm that, that uh, Jason Witten wanted to remain with the Cowboys. Obviously he was very vocal about it. Um, But Mike McCarthy, uh, and this is where Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones did defer to McCarthy. And they said, well, hey, we want you to build the team how you see fit. And we've seen mm-hmm. instances of that throughout the offseason, right? Don Terry right. Cole, Gerald McCoy, you know, so forth and so on. Alden Smith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mike McCarthy was like, uh, Jarwin is it. You know, yeah. and, and now that Jarwin has gotten the road, gotten the mm-hmm. job, now you're going to see the potential for um, dynamic play, much more dynamic play from the tight end position. So now you got Dak Prescott entering with a much more seasoned and Super Bowl caliber coach, uh, a talented off, talented offensive coordinator who has a year under his belt now. Mm-hmm. You add CeeDee Lamb to the mix. You got Michael Gallup coming off a breakout season. You got Amari Cooper, who's now completely healthy. And now you have an athletic tight end in Blake Jarwin, plus you got Ezekiel Elliott, plus you got Tony Pollard. Yeah. If you unleash That's him. That's why I said it's mm-hmm. silly for letting him ta- play on his tag. Yeah, they, they fumbled. And it's yeah. uh, there's no other way to put it. So for those that are saying, well, you know, Dak, mm-hmm. he went one and seven. Football is not golf or tennis <laughs> or tennis. tennis. Yeah. It, it, it takes 22 guys on that field at any given time, 53 guys during the season at some point mm-hmm. to contribute to a team winning the Super Bowl. Look at the team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. right. You, you think they only won because of Patrick Mahomes? Or, Goodness, or, no. But yeah, they'll take you, know, you, know you know how kid. this goes. No, you know how this goes. No, right. You know, <laughs> you have the the sung heroes like you know Honey Badger and Patrick and right. and Tyreek and Mecole and so forth and so on. But at the same time, Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. But then you look at the unsung heroes. And there are many more unsung heroes that help c- correct that Mitchell help propel that team. That help, they got, they all ended up getting Andy Reid. Can we all agree that Andy Reid is better than Jason Garrett? Oh my oh, god, yeah. I can agree if, with if, uh, and, about a whole and, bunch and, of coaches and, better than Jason Garrett. Hey, 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 and I'll say he's a coordinator. He's a coordinator. Finish that thought. Sleep on Airbnb too. Consider that though, if and especially those in the comments right now, if you can agree that Andy Reid 
is and has always been a better coach than Jason Garrett. Explain to me why Andy Reid just finally won his first Super Bowl. And it's not simply because of Patrick Mahomes. Now, it is also because of Mahomes, right? But the 49ers had Mahomes shut down for three quarters, right? Someone else had to step up. For the Cowboys, you had a coach that basically wasn't going to get you over the hump. You had uh, consistent drops at wide receiver. You had defensive issues when it came to stopping the run. You had defensive issues at safety. You had issues with trying to shoehorn the the dated tight end over the future at the position in Blake Jarwin. You had uh, utilization issues with Tony Pollard, so forth You had and so utilization on. issues with Ezekiel Elliott. You can run him on first down all the time. You don't utilize him out the backfield correctly. You only use him as a check down guy. And and I'm seeing people in the comments here talking about um, talking about drops. Okay, what they're trying to say is, you know, Dak Prescott is responsible for so many drops. (laughs) And I'm just sitting here like, listen, guys, like he said earlier, like he said earlier in this uh, show here, Dak Prescott's all his passes were not on point in the bad games. We get it, but they weren't all on point in the good, in games, the good games either. <laughs> and Cooper had a drop problem prior to coming to Dallas. Mar- mm-hmm. uh, Michael Gallup was dropping balls his rookie year. Like we we can't just blame even Jason Witten. Jason yeah. Witten who never drops. Yeah. Jason Witten had five drops. Had had drops and key drops. We're talking about it, it potential got, first down, yeah. con- third down Saints conversions. Saints game fumbles. Right. Yeah. So, yes, you can say Dak Prescott was 8-8 and last year. That's fair. But in the same breath, you have to say the Cowboys were 8-8 and last year, right? You you can't splice the numbers to try to fit the narrative that you wanted to fit at any given point. Well, let's not pay Dak Prescott because the team was 8-8. and Okay, well, why the hell did you pay Cooper if that's your narrative? Right? (laughs) No. Yeah. Okay, yeah. why why'd you pay D-Law, you know, Zeke Elliott? Why'd you pay Zeke Elliott? Why'd you pay Demarcus? Long? It's because right. these are cornerstone players that you have to get locked down, right? Um, so it, you can't just point the finger. And I get it, franchise quarterback, he's going to take all the blame and only a little a little of the credit. Um, mm-hmm. But let's let's just shoot it straight down the middle. Let's be scientific about it. Mm-hmm. The team went eight and eight. So yes, Dak Prescott did not have a you know every single pass that was perfect, but any receiver will tell you any receiver at any level of the sport, and I can attest to this because I played both uh, wide receiver and defensive back up and and through some college. At the end of the day, if the ball hits your hands, <laughs> that's that's a catch. Mm-hmm. No coach will excuse you dropping a ball that hits your hands. I don't need you to put it on the numbers all the time. If you could, that's fantastic. But if it hits my hands and I do not come up with that catch, that's on me. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, none of them will come up to you and say that ball wasn't placed well. They get paid millions of dollars to catch balls that aren't placed well. So catch them. (laughs) So catch them. Michael Irvin said it. He said, I never told um, a a Troy Aitman to put it in between the numbers every single time. He said, just throw it in my area. And I got you. Proximity. It's co- yeah. This is football, yeah. why, why? guys. This isn't. This isn't. This isn't computer coding. <laughs> Suddenly, when it comes to Dak Prescott, catch radius is not a thing. <laughs> right. right. There's no such thing as catch radius. When it comes to everybody else, right? You can. Oh well, that receiver climbed the ladder. What a fantastic. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> we can agree. Deshaun oh Watson is an elite yeah. quarterback. Right. Deshaun yeah, Watson yeah, is an absolutely. elite quarterback. I think he's in the um, same tier let, as that. Guess what? Let's see how he looks without DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. 
I like his receiving core. Yeah, you, you, like love his, you love his receiving core. <laughs> I do like that receiving And I'm not saying that he's going to take a step back, but I'm saying a lot of the catches that a lot of the yeah a lot of the receptions and catches that are on Deshaun Watson's uh, career stat line that helped propel the Texans to wins they probably should not have had mm-hmm. are highlight catches from DeAndre Hopkins, oh. mm-hmm. one-handed spider-man climb thin air (laughs) walk on the moon type catches so when you lose a receiver like that if you don't have a direct replacement now Deshaun Watson the reality reality is he's going to have to be more accurate with these new receivers than he was than he had to be with DeAndre Hopkins but Dak didn't have that luxury and this is not excusing the way this is just a simple fact Uh, was there a DeAndre Hopkins uh, is there a DeAndre Hopkins in Dallas? Uh, I Coop love ain't, Coop ain't hop. I love Coop Coop. Hop. Ain't and, and Gallup is more Des Bryant than than Hopkins, right? He, yeah. He's violent. He attacks the ball at at the highest point, but again, he has some drop issues. DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. tell me when he's had drop issues. Right mm-hmm. to me, when it comes to hands, I mean, you could argue that Julio Jones and Michael Thomas are better all around receivers. When it comes to hands, there are no hands better than DeAndre Hopkins, right? Yeah. So I think that when you have a receiver that that's fantastic like that it masks a lot of the imprecise passing Dak hasn't had that he's had to be more precise but then they're dropping the precise passes just like they're dropping the ones that are slightly to the left slightly to the right but advanced, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. advanced analytics would tell you though Dak was one of the best passers in regards to uh what is it called like adjusted completion percentage completion and percentage. all those all those advanced stats guys just go look at them if, if you don't believe it then you just gonna believe what you want to believe man i mean well, at, at this point well, you know that's going to be the case anyway yes um, indeed no yes, no one I, and i can speak for me when i say and, and everyone who follows me knows this i do, mm-hmm. i'm not an apologist for any player um but i also don't throw blame where blame should not be thrown so some of those throws, Dak has to get better on. Yeah, I mean, but the ones that perfect. were in the vicinity of the receiver, at some point, you got to look at the receiver and say, you got, you get paid to make those catches. Every pass is not going to be perfect, but you collect a check to catch it. So catch it. And each receiver, to their credit, they will tell you. Each receiver in go. Dallas that has some drop issues, mm-hmm. they will tell you, hey, that was on me. So nobody puts that on Dak and and the ones that but except Dak. Dak puts it on himself. So he takes full accountability even when it's not his accountability to take. Uh great leader. They should have paid him. And now it's gonna cost more to keep. Hey Pat, here's no, the no here's doubt. their favorite thing, Pat. Oh, it's the eye test. Oh man. Oh, uh, uh, we watch it. We watching the same thing too. And so are the people that came up with that's why we give you the advanced stats, because obviously you don't want to believe the eye test. So let me go dig into the advanced stats. Now but you don't want to believe either. Funny thing about the eye test though. Kill funny me, thing man. about the eye test, and I've said this you know more often than I care to have to say when it comes to the eye test. For those that are saying, Oh, well, when you put numbers in front of them, when you put film in front of them, oh well, he doesn't pass the eye test. I know what I saw, I know what I saw, I know what I saw. Okay. Um Biologically speaking, every human on earth doesn't have 20-20 vision, right? Some of us are blind. (laughs) Some are blind, some require bifocals, some require trifocals, some only require contact, some don't require anything at all. At the end of the day, why should I put everyone's eye test on the same level of credibility? Oh, okay, I see where you're going. What I'm looking at is if you tell me that he doesn't pass your eye test, my immediate question to you is what have you seen or not seen that causes you to either praise or not praise some things that you're doing much too often the response is simply 
to repeat what they just said to me. Oh, well, yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's he's, because. He's, one and, he's two and six it's against winning teams. One and six. It's he's just eight because. Okay, well, listen. <laughs> um, there are those that are really good at the eye test. And, and you know, they have the eagle eye for it. Um, but if you're Mr. Magoo with it, like, you, you really got to just stay away from me trying to assess football. Because at the end of the day, what, what I find is people who say, you know, a player of any uh, of sort is not passing the eye test or they are passing the eye test is they're regurgitating takes that they've seen on, you know, one of the glowing devices in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to name any any names as far as sports shows and, and radio hosts and things like that. But, you know, there's a, a lot of people that I could skip over in this <laughs> conversation um but at the end of the, yeah, yeah, for that. <laughs> at, at the end of the day you are two things when it comes to uh life in general but also when it comes to uh, assessing football you are the homework you put in or don't put in and you're also the data and takes that you consume right so if you only consume erroneous takes hot takes unsubstantiated takes there's a greater likelihood that you're not going to know what the hell you're talking about right and those of us that do know what the hell we're talking about we're going to point out that you don't know what the hell you're talking about but then you're going to get upset Uh right and then you're going to you know want to block us Uh (laughs) right um but at the end of the day Uh when it comes to oh disagreement when it comes to football, man, it, for me, it's just, it's science. It, it is what it is and it ain't what it ain't. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I see and you don't even have to agree with me. That's the fun thing about football, right? Mm. James and I, for example, James and I don't agree with everything uh, when it comes to the Cowboys. It, but even when we don't agree, I bet you we're not far off. And, yeah, you right. know, there's not this cavernous rift between our two points. And it's probably because he sees it slightly more to the left and I see it slightly more to the right. But we're right there for the most part. When you start seeing these wild takes, oh, Dak Prescott isn't even worth $16 million a year. What right. are you talking about? <laughs> Blocked. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. No I, you know, and, then, and, then, and then you ask him why. And they're, oh, well, he didn't pass the eye test. Okay, well, Just, are your eyes open? <laughs> right yeah. so you know yeah. yeah not everybody's looking through oakley's some people are looking through the dollar store glasses indeed yes, indeed whole bunch of a whole bunch of dollar store dollar store dollar tree oh, they, <laughs> they uh they got their their lasik at uh <laughs> in the uh at in city trends or so city trends their lasik yeah their lasik surgery came you know free with a purchase of uh a fubu <laughs> I already talked about that. Yeah, I want to ask you a quick, quick question about this COVID thing, Pat. Right. Because a lot of things are going on with a lot of people. You know, have been asking me questions. I'm telling them I don't think that's going to happen. But they came out in the the news how D Law and Jalen Smith, a lot of players, are saying hashtag We want to play. Um, you know, people are saying, oh, what D Law really going to sit out of this or this and this? I'm telling them that ain't going to happen. The players came with agreement, do the multiple kind of daily testing. Kind of give us a background if you know anything about what's going on with the COVID. I've been kind of keeping people abreast with it, but kind of camp is getting ready to start. So are there any concerns about any players from the Cowboys opting out or anything like that that you have heard? There are guys who are considering it. Um, I'm not at liberty just yet to say who is considering it. Okay. But I, I will say that it's 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 a situation that not only the Cowboys but all 32 NFL teams have to contend with over the next 
week or more um, with the potential opt-out. Now, we've seen Demarcus Lawrence come out and, and speak against the uh, the lack of resolution from the NFL side as far as safety procedures, um, you know, so forth and so on, agreeing with Russell Wilson, who has, you know, a pregnant wife at home and, and just not wanting to risk bringing back an infection to, to their home. Um, and that's something that players are considering and they've long been considering. Like, this isn't new. That's just something DeMarcus Lawrence put it out there and have people now wondering if, if he'll do it. But I'm told he's, he's one of several players that have been considering it for weeks now. Um, and that's just within the Cowboys organization. I mean, there are dozens of players across the league who are considering it. So it'll be interesting uh, once they finalize the opt-out date to see what teams lose what players due to the opt-out. Um, but for those, I know I had someone who, who jumped in my mentions and said, oh, well, no one in the league is going to opt out because they all want their paycheck. And my response was, uh, you're about to be proven wrong because there are some guys who actually do value the health of their families mm -hmm. over a coming paycheck. And if you're someone like Russell Wilson, just as an example, who has a pregnant wife at home, plus kids, it gets heavy. It gets heavy. Mm -hmm. So um, again, had these conversations and yes, several Cowboys have taken into consideration the potential of opting out for the 2020 season. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, obviously being one. Um, but at, as we have this conversation right now, my gut tells me that the key players for the Cowboys are present and accounted for uh, when training camp starts. Now, well, of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, Patrick, I was going to ask you this, though. We, we see a trend with this. We see players that get paid or got paid, what have you, are talking about, hey, I need to particularly look at my family and my loved ones. But those who like fresh the rookies and those who were like probably one year into it, they never got their big paycheck. They going out there. They saying, okay, right. I'm willing to uh, roll up my sleeves and just put all of my things on the line to go play. So is there an opportunity for those who don't have those big mega contracts to say, okay, this is a chance for me to prove that I'm uh, capable of putting uh, out some display of good tape? It absolutely is. But the, the, the thing that's working against those individuals is first they have to make the final roster. And now we're talking about a situation with COVID that's, yeah. Um, I think earlier today uh, it was agreed upon and I'll have to double check that that the roster count or the tally would be dropped from 90 to 80. I think that's what the NFLPA was agreeing on. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. double check that later. But uh, you have a smaller you're going into camp with a smaller number of, of players. So, I mean, there are rookies right now in, in the team hotel who are going to get a call in the next day or so and they're going to be cut. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you have bubble guys who rely heavily on the preseason to establish themselves as either practice squad guys or guys that deserve to be that 52nd, 53rd guy and now going into 2020, 54th, 55th guy with the expansion of the rosters. Um, the, but they're not going to have those opportunities. So yeah, ideally you would like to believe that, well, if you know, you have a starter or a second level guy, you know, opt out, then yeah, you're going to have the opportunity for some of these fringe guys to kind of jump in and, and, and and show themselves but if that guy opts out and now these french guys only have training camp practice to show themselves but and also keep in mind this isn't a traditional training camp practice right it's going to be structured in such a way where it's going to be minimal contact for much of training camp 
So by the time they actually can put on the pads, you're going to be talking about what third week in August, maybe possibly even the fourth week in August, depending on what the two sides uh, agree on as far as the ramp up the acclimation period that they're working on. So you're, you're talking about injuries. You're talking about guys not having the opportunities to step out there. I think the Cowboys are going to be uh, very veteran heavy when it comes mm-hmm. to the roster. They're not going to take a lot of the risks that they probably would have taken um, under normal circumstances. And that it really puts a guy like McCarthy behind the eight ball, because here's a guy who came in a new coach, you bring in a new defensive coordinator, you bring in a new defensive line coach, you bring in a new special teams coordinator. You do this, this sweeping change. Um, you go and get big body personnel, Gerald McCoy, and you go and get Don Terry Poe, and you bring in a guy who might have a resurgent year in Ha Ha Clinton Dix. You land C.D. Lamb, which was a BPA. That's something that Jason Garrett and that era would have never done, right? No. You go and you, you load up on all of this. You take a risk on Alden Smith. That pays off so far because he's been reinstated. Um, the expectation is Randy Gregory will be back, but that's still pending. Um, it seems like that's a bureaucratic holdup, which is what I'm being told, but we'll see how that goes. But the expectation is he'll be back. Um, but the team was supposed to be able to start their offseason program April 6th, which would have been two weeks prior to everyone else because they have a new coaching staff. Well, now here we are having this conversation on what, July 21st? And McCarthy and his coaching staff still haven't met their players face to face. So even the coaching staff in Dallas is behind the eight ball. So you're talking about fringe guys who aren't going to be able to put a lot on film. You know, they're up against it. Uh, The coaching staff, they're up against it. So it's going to be potentially a rough start for the Cowboys and other teams as well, but a whole lot of competitive disadvantage. So um, again, I don't feel at the time that we have this conversation that there will be any cornerstone players for the Cowboys that opt out. Looks like there's been some progress uh, as recent as today with the safety protocols that might end up appeasing a guy like Demarcus Lawrence. Um, but veterans are supposed to report the 28th. Rookies are already trying to report. They're already undergoing COVID testing and could report as soon as Saturday. So there's not a lot of time to get everything hammered out and appease these players, you know, who went out there and said, hashtag we want to play. They do want to play. And, and I get the point where, you know, it can be viewed as, oh, where these big money guys are the ones saying, well, if you don't get this together, we're not going to play. The Russell Wilsons, the Malcolm Jenkins of the world, the Demarcus Lawrences, the J.J. Watts. But my counterpoint to that is, would you care if an undrafted free agent said it? No. Nope. No. Would, would you care if the 70th guy on the roster came out and said, well, if you don't get the safety protocol together, we're not going to play. Nobody's going to care. Fans aren't going to care. It's not going to move the needle for the NFL when it comes to applying pressure to the uh, league's front office. It's going to take these all pros coming out. And I think that's why you're seeing these guys with the big money contracts. It's not because necessarily, let's be real. I I think it does play into it to a degree. Uh But for the most part, it's because their names carry weight. And that's what the NFLPA needs at this moment is to swing wrecking balls, right? Yeah. No, I mean, nobody, that's why there are no preseason cares. Yeah. Look, if Nelson yeah. Aguilar said, hashtag, we want to play, who cares? Yeah. But if Russell Wilson says it, Wilson says everybody's like, holy crap, Drew Brees says it. They're like, oh, we can't let Drew, B- Drew Brees not be on the field. We got right. you know, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think it's more financial. Right, right, right. You know, wrecking balls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, but it's just one of those things. Whereas this virus, you can catch it if you're working at Walmart, if you're stocking uh, stuff at 
FedEx, what have you, or UPS. So some of those guys on the lower end is looking at it like, yes, the, the NFL PA need those bigger boys to say this, but I'm trying my best to get out there to make what three, four million dollars yeah. that can change generation of money right here. Yeah, and those mm-hmm. are the same guys that um, mm-hmm. you know want a preseason. Right, right, right. So you have some of these bigger guys like Tyran Matthew, and he's uh, elated that there's not going to be a, a preseason. Some of these veterans who have already gotten, um, uh, they're locked into their roster spot, mm. right? So if you're locked into your roster spot, the preseason for you is A, a waste of time, and B, an opportunity to become injured. Well, Hi, Tony uh, Romo. <laughs> right, some right. some of these, Good you know, stuff. the rookies reported today, I believe, or whatever you want to call it. Well, they started, yeah, they started getting they tested. They started tested. They right, they're testing. Team. And, you know, a lot of those rookies are just not going to come close to making this team without uh, preseason, in my opinion, because sometimes we get a chance to see a Luke Gifford, right, who shows out and shows promise. Granted, you know, he went on IR, uh, but he showed enough promise that I think he might have made that team. Um, So we got the rookies. Uh, A guy like Donovan Wilson. Donovan Wilson, six-round pick, showed out. Had a great preseason, right? Right. Now, of course, they wouldn't let him take the next step during the season, um, but – entering another year a second year for him you would like that that guy to have another preseason especially under a new coaching regime to potentially show himself worthy of being in the safety rotation so just instances like that who do you think you know out of this rookie class doesn't really i won't say doesn't need preseason because every all those rookies need preseason but without preseason who do you think can come in here and and make an impact a little bit or a lot of it is it just CD? <laughs> no, I, you you Big asked CD. you asked in the singular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of the class, you asked in the he singular. Right, you didn't say plural. Right, you said which of the rookies. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I took that as singular. Okay, so I think CD Lamb can come in and make an impact immediately. Um, I think he's he's quite refined. I think he still obviously yeah. needs a little bit of polish, but that makes sense because this is going to be his first year in the NFL. But I think he'll learn. Uh, well under a player like Amari Cooper um, and under a, a guy like Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy. So I think CeeDee Lamb is going to instantly make an impact. Um, I think Trevon Diggs, uh, hashtag Hive. Mm. <laughs> um, hey, you had him in the first round. I, I had him. I had him projected to the Cowboys in the first, and the Cowboys wow. had him as a, a first-round value on their board. Um, but he got pushed. It, it, it would have come down. If CeeDee Lamb didn't fall, it was coming down to Trevon Diggs and uh, Kalevon Chason. Um, so if it wasn't Lamb, it was going to be Chase on or Diggs, and they were still volleyballing between the two. But as Lamb started to fall more and more, they were like, "Whoa, this might happen." So when it when he was still there, they were like, "Okay, well, this is happening." And then Chase on mm-hmm. went elsewhere, and then they were able to double back and still were able to get Diggs. I think Diggs in a scheme where if this safety unit improves, now that mm-hmm. could be by way of Ha Ha Clinton Diggs uh, having a, a prime year as he reunites with McCarthy. That could be that plus the fact that Xavier Woods is going into a contract year. Uh, that could be Chidobe Awuzie moving to safety and playing better facing forward because he struggled last year with turning around and seeing the ball. But if you play him front forward, as he did sometimes at Colorado um, State, then yeah, you might see that. Uh, Reggie Robinson can flex. Daryl Worley can flex. I mean, you have... Wilson. You got to put my Donovan, dog in there. Donovan, Donovan Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, you know, I yeah, mentioned him yeah, a few yeah. moments ago because I, I got a lot of love for Wilson. I think he has a, a very yeah. high ceiling. Um, but if the safety play improves for the Cowboys, that's your third level that shores up. By all intents and purposes, at least on paper, the defensive four look fantastic. 
right? Your linebackers, you got LVE coming back healthy. Uh, Jalen Smith might, you know, get back to Jalen Smith form. Sean Lee is coming off of one of the best years you've seen Sean Lee have. Now the question is, well, how does Trevin Diggs fit into all of this? Trevin Diggs is, he's not the cornerback that's going to be effective at chasing down speedy receivers on streak or outside, outside the hashes. What he is, though, is super physical at the line of, at the line of, at the point of attack. Um, he disrupts routes better than most, if not all, of the cornerbacks in his class. He's lethal when it comes to defending the slant route, the fade route. So he's going to be a guy that the Cowboys are going to love in the red zone. So, yes, he has big shoes to fill when it comes to um, succeeding Byron Jones. But Byron Jones was tasked with doing so much more because there were it was poor safety play. Right. So he wasn't allowed to jump routes like he maybe should have. Right, which is why he didn't have interceptions. Right, um, he didn't. He was taxed, you know, shut down half the field because they were struggling with Shadobi Awuzie at times, et cetera, et cetera. If they get things figured out, opposite Trayvon Diggs, and if the safety core is shored up like we think it can be, and if the pass rush is shored up like we believe it has been, all Trayvon Diggs, Diggs has to do is what he did in college, which is be that that five to twenty-five yard defender. And in that capacity, he can be a shutdown corner right out the bat, mm. right off the bat. Mm. So I believe Trayvon Diggs and CeeDee Lamb, they're going to do numbers. I think Neville Gallimore um, in rotation with Don Terry Poe, um, learning from Poe. Uh, I think Antoine Woods is the odd man out right now, to be honest, because Gallimore really? is, I call Gallimore the Doberman. I, I, you guys have seen me, he's a Doberman, right? Mm. And not to say Antoine Woods isn't, but um, from what I told, I'm told Antoine Woods isn't, in a good space mentally when it comes to the Cowboys right now. And it's mm. because they went out and got Poe and then they doubled back and got Gallimore. So those are your two nose tackles. right? Are, there. And Jack, is that, why he, is that why he's still unsigned? Yeah. Pat? As it stands, his contract status is, is kind of in the air um, because mm-hmm. on one, on one note, which is why I haven't spoken about it on Twitter or in any you know particular write-up is because one source tells me that the, they're close to him signing. Now, keep in mind, they, he's an exclusive rights free agent, so he can't play he can't, for anybody yeah. else. Right, yeah, he either plays right. for the Cowboys or he doesn't play in 2020. That's the bottom line. Wow. Um, but from an Antoine Wood standpoint, he feels slighted a bit because he feels like he came in in, in 2018 and uh, he was he was he was fantastic. Um, but he battled some injuries and, you know, in 2019 and things didn't go his way. So now what does Mike McCarthy do? He brings it. Excuse me. He brings in Don Terry Poe. He goes and gets Neville Gallimore, right? Those are your two nose tackles for the most part, as far as one and two. Mm-hmm. So where does Antoine Woods fit? Um, so the best I will put it when it comes to Woods is, as it stands, I don't believe that he's put pen to paper just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cowboys have the offer in front of him, which is a very straightforward and simple offer because he's an ERFA. So either you sign it or you don't sign it. It's no negotiation here. Right. Uh, but in the event you don't sign it, guess what? We got two guys that are ready to go. So I think Neville Gallimore can make an instant impact. Um, but oh man, Bradley Anai. Hey, the Annihilator. The Annihilator. Bradley Anai. Um I know a lot of uh football fans more so pay attention to the power conferences, right? So there's not a lot of people watching Utah football. Okay. They should. They, they should. Players. Especially as of late, yes. um, but if you mm-hmm. if you have seen a nigh, 
um, and film on him and just him in, in action in live games. That dude is is something special. Mm. And I, I had a lot of people ask, well, if he was so special, why he fall to the fifth round? Because people stare too hard at the 40. Yeah. People yeah. stare too hard at the 40-yard dash. Yeah, he's slow. He looks slow, so slow. He yeah. looks slow. He doesn't play slow. No, well, I, I, I'll say this about <laughs> I will say it about about his speed does show up when he has a chase. But as a as a pure pass rusher, I think he is one of the more refined ones coming into the into that it, draft. Absolutely. He right. was a short area quickness, arguably one of the biggest steals of the draft of any team. I, I, he I just so happens to be top on the top five steal in the draft. Yeah. So uh, keep an eye on a night. I think a night comes in and he does some damage. I think. Um, his will be a bit curbed by virtue of Alden Smith being there. Tyrone Crawford's coming back. Um, if they get Randy Gregory back as expected. Mm-hmm. So you have these, these veteran guys who are proven pass rushers that are going to kind of um, curb what a can do. But I think that the Cowboys are considering putting a behind DeMarcus Lawrence, let him rush off of the left, uh, mm-hmm. especially in those three down, those three man um, sets when they switch to three, four, cause they'll kind of play a hybrid system. It'll be four, three base, but you'll see them switch to three, four and then back to four, three. Um, but in situations like that, especially in the three, four, when you got, uh, you want to utilize a nine more as an outside linebacker um, than as a five tech. then I think you're going to see a night really come in on, and spell DeMarcus Lawrence and do some good work off of that left edge. So Cowboys as it stands uh, have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to their rookie class. Uh, right. You look so at, much value. I'm telling you, you look at who they were able to get. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, we ain't even I, talking I'll about go as far. Yeah, I'll go as far. Be honest. Be honest, yeah. right? A Wisconsin guy who's Probably who's cutting the same mold as Travis Frederick. Uh, I'm not going to jump out there and say he's the next Travis Frederick, uh, right. because that's that's a tall ask to put on a kid. Um, but hey, another Wisconsin legend like Travis Frederick. Mm. Um, he studied and models his game after Travis Frederick. And just because Travis Frederick is retired, don't think that he's not going to be at the facility. Don't think mm. that he's not going to be, you know, helping out and, and putting in some time, helping bring guys like Beatus up. I think that Joe Looney ends up being the starter at the beginning of the season, right. but Beatus can absolutely beat him out as the Frederick successor before the season concludes. So, mm-hmm. Beatus is another steal. They moved up to get him because they knew that, hey, he's still on the board. Oh, my God. Right. Mm-hmm. And his collegiate pedigree speaks for itself. So you look at a guy like uh, C.D. Lamb, Trevin Diggs, Neville Gallimore, uh, Bradley Anai, uh, Tyler Beatus. And hell, you know, we can even have a little bit of fun and say that there's no guarantee that Dalton beats out Ben DiNucci. You know, Ben like Ben Denucci's moxie, man. It really, it, it just that, really. That guy's got some swagger. Makes me man. attached to him. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Now I think Swagger on one thousand would beat him out. And, I, and I, he can scramble I, and he glides. <laughs> to the I mean, I think yeah. Dalton yeah. might Dalton might beat him out by virtue of him being a veteran. And, and guess what? We were talking about no preseason games, right? Right. Yeah, There's no preseason another, yeah. and a very uh, um, minimized training camp mm-hmm. as far as being able to go full bore. Uh, with practices and padded practices so by virtue of all of that mccarthy's not going to get a chance to really see the, the upside of Danucci, mm-hmm. but i think they'll see enough of it wherein Danucci will make the practice squad um but i think that if there was a full training camp and there was a full preseason i mean what are you paying andy dalton two million dollars you're not going to tell me that a two million dollar guy is bulletproof 
I, I just think, no, but I think yeah, they'll want to go with yeah. that veteran, though. In my opinion, I, but, but I, like I just think with the virus, you got to roll with three. I mean, you're, you're going to roll yeah. with them now because you're, yeah, you're not really yeah. having a training camp for the most yeah. part. You're definitely not having a preseason, so you're not going back to what I said earlier in, in, right. the, in the cast is that you're not going to take the risks that you probably would have taken in a yep. normal situation. This is a COVID nineteen world, right. um, wherein we'll be blessed if we have any football whatsoever. Um, so knowing that coaches are not going to you know be so apt to roll the dice on you know a seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent i think that a guy like rondell carter that's is, who i was about is, to ask you was you was in my brain you you about that's who i want to ask you about because all the undrafted <laughs> oh, yeah, free agents out there yeah. you had him on your show you interviewed him after you interviewed him i went and watched his tape Animal. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this kid is good. So do you think because it's a big thing, they're talking about reducing the rosters from the players from 90 to 80. Do you think a guy like him with that talent that he has and it's going to be hard for the undrafted free agents to really see the light of day on the field? Do you think he can actually get on there? Or you think he'll go to the practice squad because they paid him a lot of money? Rondell Carter has a chance to make this team as far as the um, the, the active roster goes. I think what's going to be one of the deciding factors on if he makes the active roster versus if he goes to the practice squad is going to be Randy Gregory. Uh, I think if Randy Gregory is reinstated as expected, then there's a greater chance Carter ends up on practice squad because I can go ahead and tell you right now, the Cowboys don't want to lose him. They don't want him to go anywhere whatsoever. Good money. Right. So if they could, if they can figure out a way to squeeze him into that final active roster spot they're going to do so but it gets kind of difficult to do so if if Gregory comes back as expected because now guess what you got on that right edge you got Tyrone Crawford who's going to do more work on the right edge than at three tech so just so people know the Cowboys are already planning that so you got Alden Smith you got Tyrone Crawford you're going to have Randy Gregory we were talking about uh, Anai right Um, uh, Right. Anai is a bit more polished as a pass rusher than Carter. Carter is still an animal as the pass rusher, but he also does work on the defensive interior. So he's a, a good penetrator from the interior as well. So his flexibility is going to give him uh, that added oomph that the Cowboys are going to want to see. Um, but I just, I don't see any scenario of all the undrafted free agents that the Cowboys have. And they, they did well with that pool as well. I mean, they really just killed April killed when it came well, to Well, let me, let me say this right quick, though. Uh, we can't leave out Joe Jackson and D.A. Oh, no, no, no. We're not, we're not going to do that. Uh, I, and, and my, yeah, in my yeah. Uh, roster projection, I, what did I uh-huh. do my roster projection? It was uh, May, June? I can't remember. It was either May or June. It was my way too early roster projection. I have Joe Jackson there. Um, I have Durant Armstrong there. And mm-hmm. I, I squeezed Rondell Carter into my final defensive line spot. So for me, he's good enough to be on this team. But my asterisk to that was Randy Gregory. Mm-hmm. Randy Gregory's coming back. I don't think you push out a guy like Joe Jackson or Durant Armstrong to get Carter on the active roster in a season that lacks a preseason right. and a, a greatly altered training camp. I think you go with a guy like Joe Jackson who was here last year who already has some NFL experience. Durant Armstrong is entering his third year, I believe. Um, so you just you go with the guys who've been there, done that, for lack of a better way to put it, and you put a guy like Carter uh, on the practice squad if Gregory is back, and then you develop him from there because it's football. Inevitably, there's going to be an injury on the defensive line. You want to True. be able to call up Carter instantly. What you don't want to do is, is risk him to waivers in any way, shape, or form yes. if you can oh. help it. 
Please don't lose him. Don't lose him. Carter, Patrick, I think, you, I think you, Carter you're is it, You're putting it out there as much as possible, but as much information you can give us without, you know, giving away the information. What is the storyline with this Randy Gregory piece? What is going on? Why is he not reinstated? Why do we see Alder Smith reinstated? Why do we see other people get reinstated? But what's the storyline with Randy? Okay. Difference between Alden Smith and Randy Gregory. Uh, first of all, Alden Smith put in his paperwork first. Okay. So, uh, you know, he, he was inevitably probably going to get reinstated first or get his verdict first. Uh, but also look at the timing of it all. Uh, Alden Smith, we're talking about COVID, right? Alden Smith put in his paperwork and essentially got his decision truly before the pandemic exploded in its first wave. Okay. okay. Randy Gregory submitted his paperwork. Uh, I want to say a month later, if that, but by that time, coronavirus, coronavirus, I'm sorry, was spiking for the first go round. Uh, NFL is at that point, you know, trying to figure out and have conversations with the NFL PA. Excuse me. Are we going to have a virtual off season? Is it going to be a, a traditional in-person off season? What about mini camp? What about training camp? So now, the persons who are tasked with handling these cases, Alden Smith and, and Randy Gregory or Josh Gordon, for example, they're now doing double duty because they're also helping the front the league front office try to, you know, get everything copacetic with the NFLPA so that, you know, at that point, so mini camp can happen, but guess what it did. So now training camp can happen. So it was described to me that the delay in a decision on Randy Gregory is bureaucratic more than it is indicative of any potential negative verdict coming his way. So let me put it in layman's mm. terms. There's so much going on with the league front office right now that it's it's holding up what should have been a fairly easy decision when it comes to Randy Gregory. And it's simply because his, his case, for lack of a better way to describe it, is passing through so many hands and those hands are multitasking and they're just being asked to do so much right now. Um, and I, I've asked and I've asked again. And every time I ask, which is probably once a week at this point, um, it always comes back to me that it doesn't look bad or good. Mm. It's, it's simply. Boys are waiting now. Saw a report recently that the Cowboys had all but lost hope. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not what I'm getting. Um, what I'm getting is that the Cowboys still very much have patient. hope and they're being patient. They have an expectation that he will be back. Now, obviously, when it comes to Roger Goodell, he can do whatever he wants. You can have an expectation all day long, but the commissioner will do what the commissioner wants to do. But evidence to support what my sources are telling me um, lie in the fact that the Cowboys are trying to have uh, backdoor conversations with the league um, to see if there's any way Gregory can be involved with the team during training camp while the league still while they try to figure out what the verdict is going to be to me that doesn't sound like a team that's given up hope on a guy um possibly returning in 2020 there it, to me it tells me that the team is trying to get him reacclimated to the process in the hopes and expectations that he will in fact be back so all like smith applied first um he he more or less beat the coronavirus wave the yeah. first wave randy gregory applied a little bit you know during that that first surge but now guess what now we're in the second surge right mm -hmm. so gregory is and i'm told gregory is not the only um matter that the nfl 
uh, front office is delayed in handling because they're doing so much to try to iron out things with the NFLPA. So I think once things start to uh, get solidified there and players start to report to training camp and, and that storm passes, then the NFL can get back to saying, okay, now what, what did we put a pin in? Let's get these matters handled. And Randy Gregory is one of those matters. I was going to say, it sounds like you're basically saying the NFL is done being busy with NFL stuff during this COVID. Don't worry about y'all it's, later. It's very possible <laughs> and likely that Randy Gregory will be on this roster. That's exactly, exactly what I'm saying. Now, of course, I can't guarantee what Roger Goodell will or will not do, but right. all conversations I've had, um, and in speaking with Gregory himself, I've had a couple conversations with Gregory himself, mm-hmm. and, and he's in great spirits. He still remains hopeful. He's not had any setbacks whatsoever. Um, you know, he's excited. Uh, he, he looks like a kid in a candy store for the most part. Um, he's ready to get back to the field and play ball. And and for those that would give up on Randy Gregory, I say this, he's never had an off the field issue that didn't relate to a drug that the NFL for the most part no longer cares about. Right? I heard you. He's, he's never been arrested. He's never had a domestic violence issue. He's never had a DUI. He's never had any type of criminal charge or anything like that. He uses marijuana to self-medicate because of his uh, you know, clinical anxiety, bipolar depression. Uh, and the Cowboys have stood by him and they're going to continue to stand by him. And, you know, reports that they've given up hope are false. They have not given up hope. If anything, they're trying to figure out how to get him uh, reacclimated in the hopes that Roger Goodell makes the decision they expect him to make. Yeah, I heard you earlier mention, and this kind of made me raise my antennas. Uh, that they are. What was your antenna? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you knew you got it. You got it. You got it. Uh, <laughs> they are into. They're, they're prepping Tyron Crawford to play more right defensive end than three tech. And to me, so you know, if that's the case, why not go out and look for an upgrade in a guy like Everson Griffin? And if we say, okay, cap. Well, if you get rid of. Crawford's $8 million you'll save, you can use that towards an Everson Griffin, who I think anybody would believe is a better player. Maybe he's not a locker room leader like Crawford is, but if that is that really the reason why we're keeping Crawford? Because he's a locker room leader? I mean, I know you need him, yeah. but I mean... It's not the reason, but it's a reason. <sighs> Tyrone Crawford is it's easily one of the more underrated players. No disrespect to him, but yeah, he's easily one hips. of the more underrated players for the Cowboys. Yes, he's coming off of hip surgery and and that's not promising, but he looks great thus far. Um he looks healthy, sounds healthy. Cowboys are looking to put a, a bigger workload on him, like you said they're looking to potentially uh give him more snaps on the right edge. But yeah, I, I get it. People don't like the 8 million dollar salary cap hit, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but this is a guy when <laughs> when the Cowboys needed sacks and they, you know, had a hard time getting it from players like Demarcus Lawrence, guess who was getting you five and a half, six sacks? It was Tyrone Crawford. Uh, when you asked Tyrone Crawford to move to the right edge, uh, guess what he did? He lost weight so he could move to the right edge. And then guess what? You asked him to move back to the three tech and he gained weight to move back to the three tech. And you asked him to do one of those two things again. And he, he dropped weight, gained weight, dropped weight, gained weight. He's done everything the Cowboys have asked him to do and produced in doing so, prior to him battling injury in 2019, he was also one of the more durable players on the Cowboys, rarely missed a game at all prior to 2019. Now you also add to that the locker room factor. He is uh, one of, if not the de facto uh, leader in the locker room when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, him and Sean Lee. You saw what happened when the Cowboys started to go on that slide in 2019 and Tyrone Crawford wasn't around. It one of the main 
things they missed about Crawford wasn't simply the, the production, the five sacks, the six sacks, which you, you just can't get, right. you know, in a guy coming in off the street, right? You got to give credit to a guy getting five or six sacks in the NFL on a consistent basis. Uh, but he was, he's also one of the, the fires that gets guys going in the locker room. Now, Everson Griffin. When Everson Griffin first came available, uh, I did report that the Cowboys had interest in him. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys still have interest in Everson Griffin. Ooh. Here's the here's the difference, though. Here's the difference between then and now. Uh, they wanted to see what they could get in the NFL draft before mm-hmm. they went out and paid a guy like Everson Griffin. Their thought process was we can probably add Griffin to a rotation that has Tyrone Crawford in it. What? Now you go that. <laughs> You go into the draft. I mean, does it hurt to have as many talented? No, 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 no. Well, 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 here's, here's why that I money, say though. Here's why I say money. money, not we even got, money. Just he better. I, but but, but I'm, I'm also told that we, Everson we, Griffin we, wasn't. Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't we exactly. Have a million dollars. Yeah, Everson. Yeah. yeah, Everson Griffin wasn't trying to break the bank. Um, right. I think it was just his split. With, yeah, his split with the Vikings was simply that they they didn't. He felt disrespected to a degree. Right. It's not that Everson Griffin was trying to break the bank and remaining with the Vikings, whatever the case may be. Um, he just felt that they were undervaluing what he brings to the table. Now, the Cowboys earlier in the offseason, when they thought they would have Dak on a long term deal, which would ideally lead to a lower cap hit. Right. There's, there was no scenario in March that led the Cowboys to believe that in July, on July 21st, they'd only have approximately eight million dollars in cap space. OK, so they had interest in Everson Griffin and they were, you know, potentially going to reach out to him if the draft didn't fall in their favor on the defensive line. But it did. You got Neville Gallimore. You got Bradley and I. You went and rolled the dice on Alden Smith and it paid off in him being reinstated. Tyrone Crawford looks healthy. So in no scenario did they look at moving on from Crawford. Hell, I was told initially late last season, I was told by a source that they were going to approach him uh, with a conversation of potentially lowering his pay. Okay, well, here comes April, and I'm told that not only did they uh, not do that, but they were no longer interested in trying to reduce his pay, which tells me that they're looking to get more out of him in 2020, not less, yeah, not trying to move him report. out. Yeah, not they're not trying to move him out. They're not trying to re- you know give him a, a reduction in, in play or anything like that. Now, when it comes to Everson Griffin, do the Cowboys still have interest? Yes, they do, but it's not as grandiose as it was in March before the draft fell in their favor, before Alden Smith was put on the roster, so forth and so on, before they ended up not extending Dak and only have $8 million in salary cap space. Now they're in a situation where I think that the only way you will see Everson Griffin in Dallas uh, is an injury in, in training camp. Um, I mean, there's no preseason for anyone to be injured in, but you still have training camp the month of August. So if you see an injury in, in August pick or early September, up. they're going to pick that phone. If Everson Griffin is still available, because the Cowboys aren't the only team in the league. Um, so I'm told that there are other teams monitoring Everson Griffin's um, status as well. So if, uh, if an injury, com- if an injury comes up, yeah, it, it's a strange offseason for free yeah. agents, period. Snacks, right. Griffin, uh, Snacks, Clowney, Griffin, I mean, not Logan. being able to clown, Clowney is a whole different talk. Clowney and Griffin are not in the same bowl of soup. Even worse and for I'm not, I'm not talking wow. about talent-wise. I'm talking about how they're approaching how they're approaching free agency. Uh, Clowney, which is the reason the Cowboys, and I reported this as well, from day one, the Cowboys were out on Jadavion Clowney. And it's because Jadavion Clowney was seeking an average of $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. He came down a bit up to $18 million a year. Uh, the Browns offered him 17. He waved that off. 
the Titans didn't make him a formal offer, but the Titans themselves have come out and said, Vrabel came out and said that, oh, not Vrabel, but the GM with the Titans came out and said recently that they would love to have Clowney there, but they're not going to have any type of conversation with him until they get him in the building <laughs> and can do a physical, right? Oh. So you got free agency during COVID times where players aren't allowed to visit facilities and get physicals, and yet you have a guy like Clowney who, who's coming off of a year where he battled some injury. Teams want to get a look at him. But before they can get a look at him, he's like, well, no, I'm not even coming in if you're not going to give me $20 million a year. So the Cowboys don't play that game. I mean, they had a hard enough time trying to get their quarterback extended. They're not <laughs> they're not going to go out and drop $20 million no. on a guy. And you already paid Tank. You got Alden Smith, who you might end up getting 10 sacks for pennies on the dollar. That's the wild card right there, man. That is the wild card. But, I mean, you could, you could potentially end up getting the situation. If Alden Smith gets back to prime, He's going to be one of the best pass rushers in the league because he was when he was in his prime. That, so that's that's not hyperbolic. That's not a reach. When Alden Smith was in his prime, oh, he was, he, was elite. He, he was elite, one of the best pass rushers. So my statement again is if Alden Smith returns to prime form, he will again be one of the best pass rushers, but on oh, a minimal 80%. contract. On a minimal contract. So you have these things working out. We talk about Anai. We talk about Gallimore. We talk about Tank being on the field. Talk about the linebacker core being healthy, et cetera, et cetera. What's driving you to bring in Jadavion Clowney at 18, 19, $20 million? Oh, no. Not at that. Nothing. No. Nothing. Now, Everson Griffin, that's a different story. Yeah. But now the problem is, uh, again, not only did the draft fall in their favor, but they just don't have the cap space for an Everson Griffin right now. They just don't. So uh, he can make it, but they don't, they don't want to cut Crawford. Because, and, and you know, because no, they want you're, Crawford. You're, you said it. Yeah, they you want know to keep what I'm saying. Him. You're 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 gutting the locker room to bring in a guy in Everson Griffin who might get you one and a half to two more sacks. Now that's not necessarily anything to shake a stick at, right? But the question, if you're Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, is are you willing to cut? A, a ventricle out of the heart of the locker room mm, I hear that? for one and a half more sacks. And if I'm Jerry and Steven, my answer is no. Because what I can do is look down the line, down the defensive line and demand someone else that I'm already paying, mm. get me one and a half more sacks. So three guys get me half a sack, right? <laughs> Four guys get me half a sack. There's the two sack difference. Um, so yeah, they love to have Everson Griffin, but not at the expense of Tyrone Crawford. That that is the best answer I've heard in regards to the Tyron Crawford thing. I don't I I still don't want him, but that's the best answer that I've heard this whole offseason. I mean, it might be it might be the difference between six sacks and eight sacks, right? If I can get six sacks from a guy and and see that he you know light a fire under the ass of my defense on a weekly basis every day in practice, versus bringing in a guy who might get me two more sacks, and he's you know he's great on the field, but you know, he's new to the locker room. He's learning the culture. You got all of that with Crawford. So I, instead of asking, you know, for those additional two sacks from Crawford, maybe you get it. But my if you concern, don't, though, you know, those hips, man. Hips is that's tough yeah, for hips, a guy who's about, what is it, about 31, 32. Yeah, he's 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 on it's, that. It's not going to get better. He tried to come back from it, uh, you know, and he went back out. And like, again, I'm not knocking the type. Like you said, man, he did everything they asked him to do. And he wasn't bad at anything. He was right. always a very serviceable and sometimes really good player. Uh, I just think he, you know, Griffin's better. However, if he is healthy, he can do a little bit more because he can go up and down the line. Exactly. Because I don't know if we can get that Griffin, but you were right in. He's a beast. And and also keep in mind, and you make a valid point. Hip hips are hard to come back from. 
Um, oh. But if you're looking at a situation where let's let's say Randy Gregory comes back as expected, um, you're going to see Crawford get more work on the right edge. But does that necessarily mean he's going to see an increased snap count? Or are we talking about the share of his snap count going more towards the right edge than the three tech? I think we're talking about more the latter. I think Alden Smith is going to be by the time camp is over. I think Alden Smith is your starting right in. Right. So if he's your starting right in. Uh, barring all things are equal yes yeah all all things being equal I think uh, Alden Smith is going to be your starting right end can Crawford beat him out in practice absolutely he's got the leg up right he's he's the incumbent for the most part but if you throw Randy Gregory in that in that mix now on the right end you have three guys who can really get after the passer so you really don't have to lean so heavily on any one or any two of them so you might look at a situation where Tyrone Crawford although asked to do more duty on the right end than that three tech all in all he might see a slight reduction in his snap count maybe three or four snaps fewer per game Mm -hmm. and for a guy that's coming off of a hip injury that that don't that doesn't sound too shabby, right? And treat you see him like you, Sean Lee, then. right? You see what you're going to get from him over the first quarter of the season, first half of the season, and if his hips are holding up like you hope they are, then you start increasing his snap count more, so forth and so on. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I, I would love to see him with Thompson. I absolutely would. I mean, he did well under we Marinelli. We he did well under it. Marinelli, um, and Marinelli give credit to Marinelli. Not the best play caller, but he's an excellent defensive line coach. I would argue that Tom Sula is better um, at coaching the defensive line than Marinelli. So if Tyrone Crawford can get you five and a half, six sacks under Marinelli, who's to say he can't get seven, seven and a half, maybe even eight under Jim Tom Sula. So I'll be interested to see how it all shakes out. I just, I wouldn't cut out Tyrone Crawford to bring in Griffin. If you could get Griffin and, and add and- him to the mix. Absolutely. But I, I'm not going to uh, cut out the, the heart of my defensive locker room for two more sacks. Instead, I'll look at the other guys and say, Hey, DeMarcus, can you get me one more? You know, hey, Alden, can you get me half? Uh, you know, hey, uh, Gerald, right? McCoy, he looks <laughs> to be in fantastic shape, right? He'd be getting five yeah, a if, year. Yeah, right, if McCoy uh, is in better shape than he has been when he was getting five, six per year, uh, there's another three sacks right there. You know, if he goes up to eight, you know, it all works out. So, I, my man, wow. absolutely right. Hey, you guys have any other questions uh, for him, Law Nation, Big Game James? Um, Nah, Boy, you were spitting science like you always do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you were going hammer with the science. I was just in science class. I didn't get good hey, grades. What I said, I always say this I when I retweet you. Today, I got A's. Glasses in session. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. A's today, P. Mm-hmm. I got an A today, hey, listen, P. You earned you, you earn yeah, a scholarship. Yeah, yeah, I earned a scholarship. Academic scholarship. Back in, yeah, back in high school, they said, oh, boy, you ain't never for, for, for a few seconds here, uh, if, if, are you open to answering some questions from the uh, people in the chat right quick? Fire away. Uh, I got my girl over here, Natasha. She said she thought you had Method Man on the show. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> do you get that anytime? I, I don't, but I tell you what, oh, uh, you know, he gonna roll with it. I, so. I, I, I'm not gonna be mad at any comparison between myself and the Tacalian Stallion. Hey. So if you, you know, if you look at me and, and you see M E T H O D man, you know, I'm not gonna be mad at it. So hey, I'll take that as a as a compliment. The Method Man is a legend, so uh, any comparison to him is a good thing. Toby over on Facebook yeah. said, "Who do you see as the left guard in the center?" Oh, left guard right now at the at the moment we have this conversation we're going with Connor Williams. Um, here's how I think it's going to shake out in training camp. The Cowboys are going to give Connor Williams and Connor McGovern some snaps at center to see what they have there. Keep in mind, Connor McGovern 
um, logged some, I think, several starts, as a matter of fact. I don't think, I know he logged several starts with Penn State at center. So Connor McGovern has some center ability, but he's, he was red-shirted last year. So they need to know what they're going to get from him on the NFL level. Uh, Connor Williams coming off of the injury, but before Connor Williams was injured in December, you saw that he beefed himself up. He, he got more strength, which was a big okay. knock against him as a rookie. Uh, so he gained more strength. He gained muscle. And he really started to come on in year two uh, at left guard. But they're going to want to see because he, you know, um, when it comes to the center position, because nothing is figured out, they're going to test drive four guys. Tyler Bietis, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily Joe Looney. You know what you get with Joe Looney. Right. right. Joe Looney is a proven starter. He proved it in 2018 when Travis Frederick went down with GBS the first goal. Um, so, but when it comes to Beatis, McGovern, Williams, all three of those guys, in addition to Looney, are going to get some snaps at center in training camp. My prediction is that Joe Looney starts at center to begin the season. Um, McGovern and or Beatis have an opportunity to supplant him over the course of the season at left guard. Give me Connor Williams until further notice. So even though the Cowboys will get him some snaps at center in training camp, I, th- I think that I don't think you can go away from him. You don't know yet what you're getting with McGovern, be it at center or at left guard. Mm-hmm. You know where Looney is stationed, center, and you know where Beatis is stationed, center. So because you're not going to move Beatis to the left, you're not going to move Looney to the left, even though you could move Looney to the left because he's a swing interior guy. You got to go with Looney mm-hmm. as the starter. And I think that just leaves Connor Williams there. So for my five up front, of course, you got Turner Smith on the left, uh, Connor Williams, um, Joe Looney no. for starters. Mm-hmm. And then Beatis, I think, will supplant him. Zach Martin and then Lyle Collins. I got one from my end, uh, P. Um, it's basically from Jim Laws. Actually, it's a two-part question. Jim Laws and my guy, Reddy Reg. Jim Laws asks, I know you may have mentioned it, but I'm sorry if I forgot. He asked about uh, Reggie Robinson, the fourth-round draft pick. What are your thoughts on him? And Reddy Red asked my uh, question is, who do you think are going to be the two starting cornerbacks week one? Fantastic question. When it comes to Reggie Robinson, you're talking about a lengthy guy, um, very physical, who can flex between corner and safety. So it'll be interesting to see because the Cowboys made reference of of Robinson's flexibility when they selected him. So I think that was a strong hint that he's not uh, definitively going to be put at corner. They're going to test drive him at both positions. Uh, Free safety. I don't think he's a a box safety kind of guy. He's a little little too... um, slinky or or mm-hmm. you know if you if you know what i mean there right. i don't think he has a, that that base that that very church in him uh mm-hmm. to play that that box safety but i think they'll give him some snaps at free safety they'll give him some snaps at outside corner um but he can also get the job done at nickel corner and i know and you guys know when it comes to me i'm joining lewis hive all day long mm-hmm. uh, i think anthony brown does a, an excellent job but i think for my money you put jordan lewis at the nickel but don't be surprised if reggie robinson gives a guy like anthony brown a little bit of a run for his money as anthony tries to give jordan a run for his money at nickel so you got three different positions that reggie robinson could potentially give you impact plays at you got the nickel slot you got the corner opposite trevon diggs and potentially some snaps at free safety now here's where it really gets interesting the the free agency signing of Daryl Worley uh-huh. right so Daryl Worley has also shown that he can take some snaps at safety as well he has a similar flexibility as Reggie Robinson so this all goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the show the defensive backfield and, and I wrote this uh in the the column today on NFC the biggest NFC East battles uh and for the Cowboys for me it's the defensive back position because uh-huh. you know Trayvon Diggs is being last- with uh being Byron Jones successor you know what you're going to get from Xavier Woods. Um, outside of that, 
everything else is a question mark. Will HaHa Clinton Dix have a, another resurgent year under Mike McCarthy? Uh, where is Reggie Robinson going to play? Where is Daryl Worley going to play? What about a veteran like Savion Smith? Uh, you got Maurice Kennedy. Um, uh, Kennedy, I might be mispronouncing his last name, but you brought him in as well. Tough so one. there's there's a lot in flux mm -hmm. when it comes to that defensive backfield for the Cowboys. But for my money, in a it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah, think. Um, it's tough. <laughs> let's do for a nickel set. Yeah, nickel Go ahead, set. Down, give me yeah. give me Trayvon Diggs okay. on on the right. Give me Jordan Lewis as the nickel slot. No train. I mean, um, no preseason. Mm -hmm. I gotta go with Worley. Yep, opposite that's, that's opposite doing. Trayvon Diggs. Because if we're talking about the likelihood that the Cowboys go more veteran heavy because they won't have mm -hmm. a preseason for these rookies to really step up and show, I think they give Daryl Worley the nod in the first couple of games or so as the starter by virtue of him being the veteran. Mm -hmm. And they and they know what they can get from him at the NFL level. But don't be surprised if by the time October rolls around, if Robinson is the starter opposite digs i just Whoa. don't think that the cowboys will be a lot home. of people have been saying that though but i, I just wow. and all things being uh equal if we were not in a pandemic and there was a full-blown training camp and there was a full-blown preseason i think there'd be a better chance of that happening but i don't think mccarthy and and nolan are going to be too comfortable right out the gate having two rookies as their starting corners on the outside so yeah. i think you got to balance that you know for a fact trayvon diggs is your starter that's your second round pick who had a first round grade mm -hmm. i think to balance it out opposite him you go daryl worley you put jordan lewis who was proven uh, finally because and i don't say proven finally but he was finally allowed to prove himself as a starter at nickel slot um and then in the defensive uh third level xavier woods and to start i'll take ha ha clinton dicks but I'll take Ha Ha Clinton Dix with an asterisk next to it because I want to see what a Woozie can do. Um, yeah. I want to see what Donovan Wilson can do. Here. But Wilson, Wilson's going to be behind the eight ball again because he doesn't get the preseason yep. to, to show himself to Mike McCarthy. Um, so, and Mike McCarthy knows what he has in Clinton Dix. So he's going to lean on Clinton Dix. And I, I would put money on the table. I think Clinton Dix is going to be the starting safety. Uh, beside Xavier Woods going into the first game of the season, everybody else is going to have to earn earn those snaps. Yeah, one of the things that Brian Browder said when we had him on the show is that there's no sponsorships in the building no more. So right. uh, finally, we would see that uh, I guess skills steel sharpen steel, iron sharpen iron type of philosophy. Uh, one of the things that uh, we we saw from uh, this coaching staff is that they are king on height, just like oh, the old regime, Chris, <laughs> Chris Richard. Richard. So do you think they that, mean that it this really time. put, they mean it. So do you think that that put Jay Lou in the bubble in a sense that, that he got to outperform those tall guys? Again. He said he had a clean slate. Yeah, yeah, he got a clean slate, but he still got to go against uh, the, 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 I guess the, the mindset that he's not tall enough. I think he's up against that. I don't think again. he cares about that. Um, I know he don't cares about it, but you no, know, it, you know what? I, no sponsorship. I, I love Jay Lou's attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had conversations with him, and, and I remember once, um, not so long ago, I, I asked him straight up. I said, "Hey, you know, on or off the record, tell me your thoughts on this constant, you know, narrative of you're not tall enough, and that's why you can't get on the field, et cetera, et cetera." And he straight up told me, he said, "Pat, well, no, see." <laughs> he said uh he said no see I, I can only control what i do on the field um i can't grow another inch 
Um, so yeah. that goes to you guys' point. Jordan Lewis doesn't care about how tall or not tall he is. At the end of the day, he's a baller. He's a ball hawk, one of the few ball hawks the Cowboys have had uh, on the defense. And I think that's going to play well for him out the gate for a guy like Mike Nolan, who is very vocal about demanding takeaways. Takeaway. So, yeah, yeah, you have a guy like Nolan who, you know, uh, and, and, and Harris, the defensive backs coach. I love and, some Harris. And, and they love length. Don't get me wrong. They do love length. But Nolan is so addicted to takeaways, which is great, um, that it's going to be hard for Nolan to simply overlook what Lewis can do as far as taking the ball away in both the air and on the ground because he forces and recovers fumbles as well. I, it's hard to kind of shelve a guy like that because he's missing uh, a half an inch um, when he cuts his hair. Right. So <laughs> so at the end of the day, I think Jordan Lewis still has a good chance of, of starting uh, come the first game in September. Um, but again, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. I, think I, I do think it's a clean slate with a, a little bit of a tilt towards length, but he's proven he can take the ball away. And uh, unlike Rashard, so Rashard was teaching coverage. Uh, Mike Nolan is teaching take the ball away. And that's how his defense good is designed. It's aggressive. But I, I think what where uh, Jordan Lewis is going to compete is in the slot. I think they're adamant oh, yeah. and they're serious yeah. about having length on the outside. Because a lot of us believe Jordan can play out there. Oh, he's but, not getting out there. But I he's don't think it's outside. happening. When they nah, bring nah, in five dudes at a 6-1, bam, it ain't happening. So, you're, you're, yeah, your competition is going to be with Anthony Brown. And I think he can beat out Anthony Brown. But obviously, they look at Anthony Brown as the, as the future for right now. Um, but can he play his way into a bigger contract in Dallas? Going to find out. We're going to see. We're going to see. Surely see, man. It's Any more show, out man. there, uh, Law, James, in the comments? No, sir. I'm good. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you coming on here, man. You know, you gave me – every time me and Pat talked on the, on the show ahead of time, he was like, all right, man, we got like – 30 minutes. We got 30, like minutes. 30 minutes. That's all we, we <laughs> got. 30 minutes. I'm like, all right, dog. We're going to do 30. We're going to do 30 minutes. James is over there trying to try to make me seem like I'm Mariah Carey. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, no. no, no. <laughs> like I'm over here so with good. the hair flipping and whatnot. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Once we get to talk, we it's just I have to structure things. Yeah, I know. I got you. You know what? We need to start bringing out. Remember, remember when Dave Chappelle, wrap it up, B. Wrap it up, B. We need to start. <laughs> so if y'all if y'all want to get up, you know what I'm saying? Wrap it up if y'all think we going too far. But this is what it is. You know, Pat, you seen your man KD on the show. We yeah, can go. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, can oh, go. I know, and, and the thing about KD is he never shuts the hell up. So, um, <laughs> uh, please, you know, please that, bring it back. I can't wait that, for that. That's my damn guy. Yeah, KD podcast. Drummond. That's, that's, my, that's my brother. Um, and, and I can honestly say that um, I'm blessed to know that guy. Y'all oh. need to do y'all podcast again. Oh, it's man, it's didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he drop, didn't he drop that science? He dropped he it. He said yeah. a little bit, but he ain't yeah. drop all the science. Okay, well, I, yeah. I'm not going to completely tip the hand, but I'll reaffirm <laughs> what he said, which is, um, and well, I'll, I'll preface it with this. For those that are asking if I'm bringing back the Star Witness podcast, yeah, um, the answer is yes. The date mm. is to be determined. I'm working out the, uh, the details with CBS Sports on that because when I relaunch it, I want it to be the right way. Right. I don't I don't have fast either. We going all the way or we're not going at all. Right. Um now while the pen is in that and that's getting worked out, uh KD and myself, we are relaunching the famed catch this fade podcast. Yes. That's the one catch this fade. So I can get back to breaking my foot off in his ass. Um, <laughs> yeah on a regular basis. And um 
Yeah, so that that'll be soon. We so we had a you know hangups, COVID. Uh, thankfully, nothing as far as infection on his end on my end. But as far as the NFL is concerned and the COVID pandemic and you know just hiccups in the NFL created hiccups in us getting it back up and running. But it is definitely coming and it's coming before the season jumps off. So shouts out to Katie Drummond. Um, I'm sorry that you guys had to be subjected to his long-windedness <laughs> by having him on. But now you know what I have to deal with when I'm on on the air with him. No, yeah, we, no, honestly, man, for me at least, when you guys come on here and we go, I love it. They love it. The chat is telling us to say thank you, man. Thank you for coming in. Oh, I um, mean, yeah. you guys, I, I can't stress enough. And the thing about it is there are so many people um, delivering the information that, that you guys are delivering that, you know, guys like myself and Katie are delivering it and, you know, um, talented women like Jane Slater are delivering and, and, you know, Amy Trask and just so forth and so on. Um, it sometimes gets difficult for fans to discern, especially fans that are new to deep diving into analysis and numbers and things like that. It's sometimes hard for them to discern who knows what the hell they're talking about and who doesn't. Um, but I can tell you right now to everyone who's watching this right now, these three guys know what the hell they're talking about. And anytime you know what the hell you're talking about, it, we don't even have to agree all the time. I just need you to know what the hell you're talking about. Right. It, it makes for a much more fruitful, productive and fun conversation. Uh, on top of that, not only do you guys know the game and, and you know the numbers and you know how to present your points, but you're out here grinding uh, and you're not you're not asking for handouts from anybody like you're, you're getting it from the mud like uh, like KD did, like myself mm -hmm. and, and like others. And if, if I don't if I respect nothing on this earth before I leave um, other than the, uh, you know, my family and, and, you know, things like that. It's, it's people who put in work and don't have their hand out. Um, right. Those are the guys and the gals that you want to bless when you can. So I had absolutely no problem. You know, when, when James reached out to me and said, Hey man, we got to have you on, let's do it. And, and I can tell you right now, and this is just, this is not a high horse thing. Cause I'm probably one of the more humble guys that you'll ever meet one of the most humble people you ever meet but i have people who ask me to come on and, and do this with them and that with them um but they they just drop the ball they don't know how to follow up um mm -hmm. you know their presentation is not up to par and i get it you know sometimes the money ain't there but it's, it's how you present yourself and you guys are, are top shelf man now you guys are top shelf um i knew coming on i was going to have a blast and all day i was i couldn't wait I couldn't wait to jump on with you guys. And I can honestly say that's not always the case with, with everybody I do a spot with. There are Thank some you. spots where I absolutely love doing it with them. Uh, some spots mm -hmm. I kind of do because, you know, why Hard not? Get. You guys are not a why not. You guys are, are you know, I can't wait to get on and, and part of the language and shoot the shit yeah. with, with you guys. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, you know the game. You watch the film. You're not regurgitating. You got fresh points. And whether I agree with the points or not, you know, like you want to cut Tyrone Crawford, you're crazy, but we, but we can, but we can talk, but we can talk about it. Right. Because That's it's not a hot take. Right. Yeah. It's not a hot right. take because you can back up your take. Right. Right. Um, so you guys just keep up the great work. I see where you came from. I see where you're going. Even if you don't see where you're going, just keep mm. pumping along. And um, I see nothing but blessings upon blessings coming for you guys. Uh, you know, aim for the stars, man. And, and anything that KD can do, I, and I can speak for him when it comes to this, anything he can do to help you guys move forward, anything I can do to help you guys move forward. I'm all about That's blessing 
I'm all about blessing the next person because I'm not where I got where I am because people took it upon themselves to bless me. Yeah, Mm. they they believed in me. They blessed me. So I try to pay it forward as often as I can and to those that deserve it. And you guys more than deserve it. So anytime you want to have me back on, just reach out. Um, I'll, I'll jump at the opportunity as long as we can stop pretending baseball is not great. I was going to say, <laughs> it ain't just, get it ain't just yeah. Tyler Crawford. We bring that beat back. Bring that long, beat back. Yeah, as long as we can stop pretending. <laughs> no, this guy said he, serious, he was a Braves fan. Like, stop it. And just so you know, this is some ultra pettiness. So, KD, I know you're going to watch this, right? He's going to talk about them natties. Yeah, normally, normally, <laughs> you know, I, I do my polo and, I, you know, I have the luxuriousness <laughs> Uh, fully free. You put the A but, in his face. Yeah, but I saw that. I saw that that curly W on his head. I was like, no, I got to counterbalance this. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so I'm gonna put it yeah, next he, to he came in, Yeah, he uh, came and dragged uh, that. Uh, that came and dragged that, uh, yeah. that that hmm. porta potty through you guys' podcast. I, <laughs> I had to clean. This is cleanup duty. This okay. Is up, dude. So, uh, but yeah, man, I had a blast. Thanks everybody for watching. Thank you yes. guys for having me. Keep up the great work. And uh, anytime you want me on, just reach out, and I'm here to drop a bag. Hey, hey, thanks. Every drop of a Braves hat. Don't, no, 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 don't <laughs> drop that. Remember, I, look, all the members get, get telling you hop on this because we had a conversation behind the scene about all about these <laughs> Braves and stuff. Hey, and shout out to everybody in the chat, man. That it's, it's amazing me sometimes that people stay from the start to finish or they they check back in. Because we go like we talked about, and and it, it means a whole hell of a lot. Because honestly, you know, we wouldn't be able to get all these people if, if you guys didn't tune in and make the show what it is. So thank you guys for rocking out. I mean, we was in here about 600 deep from, from start to finish, which is which is a lot of people for that a Tuesday tells, that night. That tells you a lot about the quality of content that you guys are putting out. Because somebody would rather sit through two hours of what you two guys hours. and what we're talking about no, than, 10 no breaks. Of what, yeah, no than, than, break. than 10 minutes of what somebody else is, is <laughs> you know somebody talking else. about. Right. Yeah, you, you know that somebody else is plural. 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 I, I, somebody I'm else's. A whole, a whole bunch said. of somebody else's pee. I love yeah, what you I'm, said about listen, I'm telling you, <laughs> deep diving. Don't get me started, man. Deep the, the, junk science, the junk science, the junk science. It ain't what, even science. It's, it's, just, it's what is it? It's like beginner level. It's it's Lego <laughs> on the uh, on the kindergarten <laughs> carpet before nap time is what it is. And tell you so, something, this ain't for everybody. The deep diving, totally. like you talked about, a lot of people can't deal with that. They like the they like the hollering and the hooping and, and the and the buzzwords and the buzz phrases. But this right here, that's why, man, I love our fans that really are into the deep diving of this stuff because it makes it. I'm sure it makes it worth it for you because your articles, it ain't for the, it ain't for the soft folk, it ain't it's for the not. folk that's just wants, it's just not. wants to look at the stuff on the or surface and not it dive in. Ain't for a regular fan, it's science, right? <laughs> if you don't know, it's almost like you know when the Wu came out with their. Everybody was waiting for that album. They was like, when we'll come out with that other album. They dropped their big album, and they had a little part, and they said, "Hey, man." This is this is mathematics, dog. You you just ain't gonna get this you, anywhere. Ain't you everybody. ain't gonna just understand this. This is the woo. You ain't. This is mathematics. Right. This when when Pat write an article, if you don't know what the hell you doing. <laughs> don't oh, read wow. it. Don't read it. <laughs> or even to, to to add on to that, if you if it's your first time kind of deep diving in and whatever, just have an open mind. Please. Yeah. Right. You you can't yeah. walk into a situation and and know that you need to learn some things. And then yell at the teacher because you don't like what they're teaching, right? Message. Um, and, and, and it, it's Message. Fine. At the end of the day, and I tell mm-hmm. I tell cats this all the time. They say, "Well, Pat, you know," because I get a lot of up and comers, and I don't see myself as no longer an up and comer. I'll I'll leave this earth viewing myself as an up and comer. I don't feel like I've 
ever achieved anything that I want to achieve. And that'll be now, that'll be 10 years from now. I just keep grinding away because mm-hmm. you, you get complacent if you think otherwise. But for those that are coming up behind me and they're like, hey, Pat, what kind of advice can you give um, a young up and comer that's trying to solidify in this game and kind of get their voice out there? And my biggest thing is everybody's talking about the same thing. Uh. Ask, look in the mirror every morning and ask yourself, why, why should somebody wait for you to start talking about it? When you when you're able to answer that question, you will have unlocked the door to how you can become one of the newest voices in this mm. game. Everybody wants to be Walmart. Figure right. out how to be Sex Fifth Avenue. Wow, deep. That's how it goes. Now, it, it, you, you think you think people you think uh, Sex Fifth cares how many people walk in their store? It's not about the quantity of people walking in the store. Mm. It's about who can afford to be in the store. <laughs> so Goodness. you got and you got to value your content like that like don't don't dumb down your stuff Never. to to be walmart mm-hmm. don't dumb down your stuff to be yeah i mean you you can you can cheapen your stuff and you could dumb down your points and you can pander and you can do all of these things so that you become a dollar general or a family dollar and yeah you'll get a whole <laughs> bunch of traffic you'll get a whole bunch of traffic but at the end of the day they only came because you're cheap mm. yeah Ooh, they only came because you're easy mm. so be be the person number one be yourself never sacrifice your integrity of who you are to try to scoop something i could have scooped a hundred things in this week alone but it's mm-hmm. not about how many scoops you can get it's about right. accuracy it's about making sure that you're uh given the right information yeah, and yeah. it's about making sure that at the end of the day people trust you so you won't have that TMZ type of feel, you, go, you know? Hey, yeah. I don't do the tabloid angle. Yeah. You know, yeah. the whole, oh, I heard, no, no, no. I, I hear a lot of things, but mm-hmm. you don't hear me say I hear a lot of things because not everything needs to be put out there. And not everything is accurate. Some things are just headline grabs and, you know, just don't, don't be a clickbaiter and don't be. Don't be that dude. Don't, don't be, be that, that dude guy, yeah. or that, that girl, that, that woman. That gal. That gal <laughs> um, that's like, oh, well. The only way I'm going to get my name out there is if I'm first at everything. And the hell with being first <laughs> at everything. Yeah. Because the, the one who's first at everything isn't always, always the one who's last at everything. And, and let me mm. let me phrase that a different way. Just because you said something first doesn't mean you were right or yeah. better than the person who comes behind you and says it again. Mm. So, That's yeah. Talk, I, man. Listen, you know, I've seen that with you, with talk. your work. I've seen people report it first. You be, but, you, you say it. When you report it uh, and write on it, it's so much, it's so, it means much more, in my opinion, because you actually do the work for the report, not uh-huh. report, breaking news, boom, and that's it. It's report, breaking right. news, and yeah. here's why. <laughs> and, and it's not, it's not every little thing. Like you can't, you can't run with every little thing. You got to substantiate it. Right. So yeah. if 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 a text message came through right now that said player X um, is upset and mm. about to demand a trade, I'm not going to put that out just, just yet. I have work to do. Right. Now, right? I'm going to reach out to that player. I'm going to reach out to their agent. I'm going to reach mm. out to uh, sources within the team. Have you heard this? Have you heard this? And if I can't mm. get it substantiated, it's not going to come from me. And guess what? If somebody else can substantiate it first or if somebody else runs with it before substantiating it first, that's not my problem. It's not my problem. Because if it turns out that it was false, that's mm. on your name, right? Mm-hmm. You like, I'm and, they, like, and they will not forget it. <laughs> you know what Scarface said. All a man has in this world is in this world is what? 
in my balls. My balls and my word. <laughs> don't sacrifice them for yeah. nobody. 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 <laughs> yeah. nobody. He, said, he said, hey, Sosa. And with that said, say hello to my little friend, the button. Because if I don't press yeah. that button, we ain't gonna get out of here, Pat. Boy, that was a good one right there, Sky. I like you for that shout, one. <laughs> shout out to Patrick Walker, CBS Sports. Shout out to all the super chats, all the subscribers, all the new members. Appreciate y'all for rocking out. We'll be back next Tuesday. Make sure y'all subscribe to all of our channels if you haven't. And follow him on Twitter, Voice of the Star. Please. Peace.